Hey there, folks. Uh, th this is a long one, so if you wanna jump ahead past our weeks to uh, about an hour and 43 minutes, that'll take you to either right before or right around where we'll be starting to talk about uh, the first show. Uh, so thanks for listening, and stay tuned. I, that that's not a catchphrase. I I, I I don't know. Don't be a jackass. Alvin, you've disgraced me for the last time. <laughs> Just like Gary Cooper, huh? I think the cartoon just started. Welcome to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I am, as ever, your host, Laser J, and with me, as always, is my good buddy. It's Kai, everybody. How's it going? That's right, and we've got our recurring guest. You want to call yourself in here, bud? Why call myself when I was already here the whole time? And I've already stolen the painting. You thought you could get me, but you can't. The world's greatest phantom thief, Kuiper Nebula. That's right, we got KP here, and that can only mean one thing. We are doing Lupin the Third. Uh, that's right, we are in particularly talking about uh, Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro, and Lupin the Third, the First. Uh, but before we do that, we've got our weeks. And before we do our weeks, we've got to do something important, and that's... Oh, no. Uh-huh. That's right, everybody, we've got to decide this year's upkeep, and I'm kidding. We're, it's not really a draft. It's just, um, to save us a little time and maybe a little, uh make things a little neater in our uh, weeks. Uh, I thought we could, uh, real quick, just maybe cover things all of us might have watched and decide if any of those belong in the upkeep uh, oh. based on things that have come out between uh, the 1st okay. of January and today, uh, which would be oh. uh, January 16th. Okay, neat. Um, so, because I... I watched five seasons of TV in these two weeks. Okay, well. Wait, no, more than that. Mm-hmm. Seven. I watched seven seasons of TV. That's a lot of TV, my dude. Yeah, three different series. Uh, two were two seasons, and one was three seasons. Uh, <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, including uh, I watched a couple new and uh, new this month animes uh specifically just three but um so i thought we could just do those real quick and see if there's any crossover mm. there no. uh so but i thought it'd be a good idea to maybe go back and just real quick talk about stuff the, the first uh tv anime that released this year was on january 4th and i could just go through till the most recent uh, premiere, which was the 14th, and see if there's mm -hmm. anything uh, that y'all watch that I did or you think I should, or yeah, you know what I mean? Mm hmm. I okay. got you. And then, okay. yeah, add it to the upkeep. Even if, even if neither of us have watched, even if I haven't watched it yet, might add it to the upkeep. 
at a later date. Yeah, and, and there's there's um, and see if not just add it to the upkeep, but see if we both think it belongs on the upkeep because th- there's two things I watched this week that I don't particularly think I want to continue watching. Oh, okay. Um, just because like I don't know. We'll we'll get there. Um. Anyone watch Other Side Picnic? No. What is uh, that? Uh, a Japanese Yuri science fiction novel series written by Ayori Miyazawa, illustrated by Shirakaba, based on the novel Roadside Picnic by Arcadian Boris Strugatsky. Uh, it's got, I guess, lesbians and guns. Okay. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, didn't even know about it until I was looking at this list. Uh, sounds sounds cool. Well, it's a Yuri series, so it's not really lesbians. It's vague fetishization. Well, it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. Okay. Yaoi is Yaoi is way more in that vein, but again, I'm not an expert. Mm-hmm. If Riley was here. She would be able to tell you. Got it. All right, well, let's uh, move on. Uh, suppose a kid from the last Dungeon Boonies moved to a starter town. Did not watch it, but it does look interesting. It does look interesting, actually. Uh, Geki Doll, I know nothing about. Nope. Uh, well, that's a season two, so we'll skip that. Uh, I chew halfway through the idol. I don't know what that is. No, it's a mobile game. Don't know what that. It's an anime of a oh, mobile game. Okay. I see. Uh, that's a new season. Uh, that's a new season. Heaven's Design Team is one that I watched. I've been. I was thinking about watching it, but I didn't get the chance. Okay. Um. I don't think it deserves a full half-hour series. No, it's um, better as a gag manga. It's better as a gag manga, but also, you know, like, sometimes you'll have um, a uh, a gag version of a full series that comes on. It's only, like, 11 minutes, and it comes on after the episode airs. Yeah. I think it would almost work better as one of those, but for an unrelated series, because it, it's genuinely just a... Four coma manga, it, it's like three different four coma mangas made into a a, a half hour episode. Yeah, and so Nichi Joe. Yeah, right. yeah. So Nichi Joe, yeah. Except Nichi Joe, I think probably did it better because it's Nichi Joe. Yeah. <laughs> also animation doesn't look as good or it and it doesn't look as funny but it, it I kind of want to read the manga I'll say I'll say that but I just don't think it's I don't think it deserves a full half hour unless they develop a plot like some gag manga do I don't see it I I did see one clip and that's the the, the goth girl making the koala that was pretty funny. I don't remember that. She's talking about giving it two penises and. That's right. Having, yeah. Yeah, just making the most horrifying creature ever. 
Yeah. I mean, you have two penises and its child will eat its own shit. <laughs> uh, so that's Heaven's Design team. Uh, I, I don't think it needs to be on the upkeep. No, no, no. no. Um, I would say check it out because it does look funny. Um, yeah. Hortensia Saga is something I thought about reading or watching, I mean. Um, it, it has a little bit of like a Anastasia meets Mulan plot to it. Oh. Where uh, uh, a, th- a, a, a king is deposed and his daughter survives and she goes into hiding and then she returns disguised as a man claiming, trying to reclaim her father's throne. Oh, okay. All right. You have my attention. Uh, I didn't. It, it's based on a free-to-play role-playing game. Uh, it, it 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 is a mobile game again. Mm. Uh, but it, it could be interesting. I have not watched it. Um, but you know, I love me a good medieval fantasy, so I am interested. Yeah, sounds neat. Uh, just haven't gone to it. Uh, LBX Girls, I have no idea, it, it, that looks like some sort of, like, mecha thing, I guess. Uh, Little Battler's mm. Experience is a series of action role-playing video games created by Level 5, involving small plastic model robots, uh, fight on dioramas, made of cardboard with the main character. So it's like, so it's like Build Fighters. Yeah, but probably more focused on cute girls doing it. Cute girls, yeah, okay. Who are probably in middle school or something, so... Yeah, yeah well... Yeah. Uh, Show by Rockstars is another, like, mobile... It's a Sanrio thing, mobile game, rhythm game, whatever. It's getting an anime. I've seen clips, but it doesn't look of interest, really. Uh... New volleyball team anime, uh, 243, 2.43 Saiyan High School Boys Volleyball Team, mm-hmm. uh, based on a light novel, uh, eh. uh, that's not worth it, uh, so I'm a spider, so what, that's... Yeah, well, I did want to watch that, actually. Okay. The, the isekai where they... Or a spider. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that either. Um, oh, that's that where that cute spider is from. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm probably going to check it out uh, before next time we record. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to do that picture too. of the spider around. Yeah. It, it does... It sounds interesting. I, I like... I didn't follow it for long, but I liked... Um, I reincarnated the slime, so I leveled up for a thousand years or whatever when it first started i read like mm-hmm. the first two or three chapters that i was like this looks interesting so seeing another take on that concept should be interesting yeah uh quintessential quintuplets uh looks i have no idea what this is mm. it, and then it's got what's the What's the the F sound in music? The F hole shape in music again? Uh, I don't know music. Um. Do not 
Do not ask me. It's like the I, shape I, of the hole in a violin. It it stands for something in music, though. I can't remember. Boo. Uh, this is why I just make a podcast on the internet. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, it, it looks like someone needed an excuse for why they can only draw one face. And so they made a bunch of pretty girls and said they're quintuplets or something. I don't know. Uh, based on what I read, it's a harem anime where all the girls look the same and the 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 running theme is the beginning of the novel is like, hey, he will marry one of the quintuplets. We won't tell you which one, though. Of course. So so it's, it's actively doing, yes, one of these girls is going to be the one. Of course. Which one? But you don't know which one. Yeah. Which, it's... to be fair, I, I, I appreciate they've just started it with this is the thing we're doing. This is like the 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 through line. Yeah. I guess yeah. I honestly am a little burnt out on harem series. Mm-hmm. Well, most of them are trash. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, that I mean that that is why I'm burnt on most of them. Honestly, um, like ninety nine point nine percent of them are trash. Yeah. Uh Besides, why did anyone uh, bother after uh, we did one uh, high school? High school host club? Yeah. yeah. Why did we bother? Yeah, that's a good point. It's the perfect. It's the perfect one. Why did anyone bother after that? You're right. Got an, a non-binary school. icon, Haruhi. Yeah. Our Iron High School host club is the Bahubali of uh, <laughs> 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 a joke only for us. Yeah. A joke only for us. Right. Which we want you to know, explain I, to the I audience. Did... It, no, no, I've I did on it was like really early on on the podcast. I talked about ah, Bully. You gotta and go. How much of a s- cinematic masterpiece it is. Gotta go back and listen. You gotta go back and listen. This is for people who are the the, the deep lore. Yep. The deep lore of Acme Podcast Incorporated. <laughs> the deep gooey lore of Acme <laughs> Podcasting. Yeah. Uh, back arrow. Okay, I actually do want to watch this. Okay. This looks cool. Um here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I was I was like when I was watching the first episode I was feeling it. Uh a couple of days after I was like, eh. And then I was watching the second episode today. I was just like, I don't want to watch this. Oh. Okay. I mean, I, I'll probably watch it on my own time. Yeah. Uh I I'm not saying don't watch it. Um it it just it doesn't I have a feeling it's going to be one of those ones that I would like to do for the show, but not as upkeep. That's fair. Okay, I don't want to interrupt too much, but I have seen... I have found the symbol. It's an integral symbol. In integral? Math. Uh, it, it's uh, also the symbol... It, even though it's in math, it's an integral. It's also called a long S in German. Mm. Or an Esh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the hidden dungeon only I can enter. I started watching that episode. I was like, eh, I don't really it. Nah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Did the dragon anime start? Because that was the one I was most excited for. The which the one? Dra- Burn the witch. Which one? The one about the dragon who wanted to find an apartment. Oh, that. Did, did that start yet? I don't think so. Darn. I did read them. I did start reading that manga. 
I can't. I'm, I'll, I want to see the anime, honestly, but I'll I'll check out the manga too. Yeah, I. Uh, hmm. That the joke only goes so far. I mean. Yeah, but I'm st- if I like the characters, then I don't. I then I don't care. Fair enough. Uh, the only character I really liked was the dragon. The rest were. Eh. Well. Mm. Yeah. I'll I'll form my own opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 I'm. I'm just giving you my reaction. Um, no, no, that's fine. That's fair. Uh, Doctor Ramune, mysterious disease specialist. I know nothing about. Hmm. Wait, Ramune is in the soda. He, yeah, R A M U N E. Huh. Why do I feel like this is a gag thing? Uh, Japanese manga series written and illustrated by. Aho Toro, the manga was serialized in Kodansha, uh, monthly shonen, uh, serious magazine. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't, I mean, it does look like it has a bit of a comedy spin to it, but. Mm. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, apparently they're remaking Horror Mia. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I got that confused. Uh, Horror Mia, uh, it's a pretty good rom-com, but. I don't think it's worth checking out, really, for us, mm. at least. If you don't like rom-coms, okay. then it's... Yeah, I'm not the biggest rom-com person. Yeah. Uh, Idly Pride, I, d- I know nothing about. It's a multimedia project, so it's probably just going to be a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. Uh, Kimono Jihen. Uh, it's a shonen series, but I haven't seen it. I don't know nothing about it, and it... Well, it's, it's got the word kimono in it, so it's got furries or some sort of animal creatures in it. Uh, it's not... not. They just have the, no. the ears. And just one person. What's the fucking point? And as far as I can tell from screenshots, it's just one girl has animal ears. Mm. And tail. You can't see it, but I'm making a really disappointed face. Yeah. They fight monsters, though, and the monsters seem to be animals mm. sometimes. Mm. It, this it, makes me want a Monster Hunter anime. It, it has, just based on, I'm, I'm, you know uh, when you're on Wikipedia and you hover over a link, it shows you like a little preview of the page? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the the picture on there is probably just one. Of, it's it's the first volume of the manga cover. Uh, and it gives me those like mm-hmm. kind of like Edge Lord needlessly depressing Tokyo series. What like Tokyo Ghoul? Yeah, yeah. My hot take for the viewers: blow me up on Twitter if you want, but Tokyo Ghoul wasn't good. Damn. KP with the hot takes. Every once in a while, it, it just gave me that vibe like, uh, this isn't for me. I had to watch it for uh, Anime Club in college, yep. and I remember hating it because every time something good happened, the, the author had to go, nah, though, and something far, far worse than the previous status quo happened. Mm. Every time. Like clockwork. That's a theme we're going to be revisiting in my week uh, with one of the things I watched. Uh, uh, Skate the Infinity, or as I like to call it, Skinfinity, since most people are just calling it SK and the Infinity. uh, Now, 
I did want to watch this. This looked cool. Yeah, I watched the I first know. episode. This I want for the upkeep. I have seen okay. screenshots of it because some of my friends are watching. I know Zach and Kaylee have been watching it. They've been really enjoying it. It's only one episode right now, as far as I know. Mm. Uh, second episode hasn't. They really enjoyed yet. episode one. Yeah, I, I really did too. I'll, I'll have to check it out then, for sure. Yeah. Uh, skate leading stars looks like a another figure skating anime with just a a whole plethora of pretty anime boys. Really mm-hmm. wanting that Yuri on Ice money, huh? Yeah, yep. but like quadruple the cast almost. <laughs> And remove wow. just about any of the female characters from it and add more pretty boys. <laughs> so, uh, pretty rhythm, but for boys. Which also uh, already yeah. exists. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's it's like Aikatsu, where it's an idol anime for girls, but the, the gimmick for the first several seasons was it's also ice skating. Oh, okay. By the time they did uh, Pretty Rhythm, uh, Pretty Parade, or Prepara, they cut the skating. And then when they did a pre, uh, Pre-Channel, where they changed the skating gimmick to a YouTuber gimmick. Hmm. <laughs> Which, yes, is as wild as it sounds. Everything I've heard about Prepara is the wackest shit. Uh, basically, you know how Inazuma 11 is to soccer? Prepara? Yeah. It, the Pretty Rhythm franchise is that to idle activities. Yes. I, I've been told about the, the arc where they have to save their friend from the underworld, yes. There's also a dude who's in a gay relationship with a penguin. Yep. There's a lady who's, uh, whose vacuum cleaner is queer-coded. Yep. KP, can you at least tell me if it's fun? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It, but it's, it's like Inazuma 11 where it's very clearly wild and also geared towards children. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Is that it? No, we, we've got a few more. Uh, X-Arm, I know nothing about. Uh, nope. Mushoku Tensei, it's an Isekai series. I know nothing about it. Uh, um, I'm just gonna quickly gaze through this. If there's anything that looks interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking through this, and I'm excited for some for a new season of Log Horizon. But yeah, but that's a second. We're you know. And we'll, I know we'll what you're doing. Log. I'm just commenting on what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I saw that Log, log Horizon. Hor- yeah, I haven't either. Uh, season one was good. I don't know if I've actually seen season two. Now I think about it, but now I have to. Is it just a fantasy series, or is it a, <sighs> okay? Time? Log Horizon is does what Sword Art Online wanted to do, but good, but good actually. Hmm. Okay. It, it takes the 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 concept of what if everyone was stuck in an MMO, and then it went okay. But what are the logical and economic ramifications of that? <laughs> Within the game world. And it spins that wildly out of control where some episodes they're like genuinely getting into like the how the characters have to get stronger to survive. Then other episodes it's getting real deep into here's the current economic situation of the world and how they have to get food. 
Well, look forward to my next uh, week section in our next episode, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Dr. Stone Stone Wars is a thing. Uh, sec- the second season of Dr. Stone. Second season? Okay. Uh, World Witches Take Off? I, no, I don't know that. Uh, uh, oh, it's a sequel to Strike Rich- Witches. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, no, there's nothing else really worth looking at there for this. Okay. For this week. Uh, there might be next week because there's more. Uh, the only other... Oh, uh, Orphan. Ah, yeah. Orphan, Orphan should be next week because that's coming out on the 20th. Yeah, and that's the, the second season of the new Orphan series. Second season. Got it. Okay, so... Because the newest season came out last year, which is Sorcerer, Stabber, Orphan. And then this is, I think, the second season of the new Sorcerer, Stabber, Orphan. Yeah, uh, it's got the subtitle, Battle of Kimluck. Yeah, that's, it's it's the, definitely either the second season or like a, it's the continuation of this new reboot series got of it. Orphan. Got it. Uh, sometime in February, uh, that one I told you about, uh, Maiko San Chino Makanai San... Uh, about the the girl who goes to Kyoto to become a Maiko, uh, but can't cut it, so she stays and makes food for all the yeah, yeah, in training. Yeah, yeah. that that's sometime in Tell February. Uh, along with the right. the new pretty cure, but that's not really us. Okay, uh, so that that that's it for the draft for this week. Uh, all right, let's get to our weeks. Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, well, the thing is, is that, like, I have two things that are related to KP's week, and I know you and I have at least one thing related to our weeks. The Sounds two like of us should do? go first. Me and KP have two things that are related. Okay. You and I have one thing. Both of us, you know what, You let's just get out of the way. You watched Long Gone Gulch, and so did I. Oh, yeah, oh, I forgot about that, yeah. Uh, um, Long Gone Gulch. KP, yeah, it's a... It's well. I guess I'll just start with it. Long Gone Gulch is this um, indie animation project <clears throat> that's been going on for like five years now. I've been wa- I've been following it for a while. A lot of like independent animators have been working on like Project Endo and um, a bunch of people I follow on yeah. It, the it, it's a uh, Patreon supported, right? Yeah, basically they they did a big Patreon thing. They had like a. Uh, some like test shots of like animation that they showed for their Patreon pitch, and then they got their funding, and it took like se- uh, several years to finish the project. It's a 21 to 22 minute pilot of basically a, an animated series called Long Gone Gulch huh. about uh, a girl named Rawhide and her 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 partner Snag, who are sheriffs in the, the the weird wacky town of Long Gone Gulch, full of like there's a Sasquatch. Who's a friend of theirs? the The mayor is a jackalope, <laughs> and they fight like that. One of the outlaws is like a shark man. Mako. Mako, yeah. Who's voiced by Rick, ba- like for Eric Bowser oh, in this? Yeah. Um, and freaking um, I forget who plays Snag, but he's also a really famous voice actor. Yeah, he's he's a uh, Jack Spicer, isn't he? Yeah, Jack Spicer, evil genius. <laughs> But yeah, that's Jack Spicer, and uh, they they have it's really really well animated because it's like a, a lot of independent animators. Um, and it, and it, it it's also time. definitely like it. 
they really took the it, it's not done on a TV show time frame. It's done on a we need to do this right time frame. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and it it I hope that it gets the eyes on it so that it gets picked um, up by someone. Picked picked up by somebody. Hopefully Netflix. Yeah, that would be primo. Because a good web animated web series deserves to be picked up and not that that shall not be named. Yeah. Um. So hopefully that'll come up. But I I remember when I showed you the trailer for this because you hadn't heard about it, but I'd been following it for like a long time. Yeah. You you were so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've been on. I've I was. God, there's there's sound. I sound like a fucking hipster. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to to cut to cut to the point, it has the energy of like a Nicktoon or a cartoon cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it it, it has at, early SpongeBob feels. I was looking at uh, art, uh, the screenshots and like production images and stuff, and the art style reminds me a lot of um LT Gray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's somewhere between LT Gray and like SpongeBob. Early SpongeBob. Yeah, there's a couple Early things like, in it that um, it pulls from. I, I hate to make the comparison, but it does pull some things from uh, Ren and Stimpy here and there, like some things that that show did first. Um, that mm-hmm. has been heavily imitated since then. It, it's just part of. It, yeah. It's just part of the playbook nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. SpongeBob that one did that a lot. That that's why I said SpongeBob more than. I, I didn't want to, but I felt like I needed to, you know. Yeah, it needed to be said, unfortunately. Um, especially that one scene where Mako and Rawhide are, like, having that stare down. And it's it, definitely a very non-sequitur kind of Ren and Stimpy-esque scene. Yeah, it, it uses mixed media, and, like, it changes the style, and it gets, like, hyper-detail, and, yeah. Uh, or Chowder, too. Chowder, Chowder too. Chowder did that a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Looking at the art again, I I'm also getting um, my life's a teenage robot vibes. Yeah, I yeah. feel that. I feel Especially because like the it's, main girl it's... looks a lot like uh, Tiff. Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah, mostly the teeth. It has but... uh, it, it's got that like kind of like sort of like inspired by the '60s art style to it a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there was that one. Uh, was it Craig McCracken or a Lauren Faust uh, show about that, like, spy girl? Uh, she was voiced by the same lady who does Starfire and Princess Bubblegum. Um, hold on. I, I know what you're talking about. I just need to... I don't. It was only ever a pilot. It never got picked up. Oh, that. The, yeah, whatever the fuck. Maximum Pain or whatever the fuck it was called. Maybe that's not what I remember it sounding like, but... Maximum is it, it was something like that. I want to say. Yeah, but it was kind of like that one was more like sort of pulling on the same things that like Austin Powers was pulling on you, know, like the the British mod scene uh, type go yeah. go outfit type thing. But um, yeah, it's using the but... same sort of like heavy lines with like a, a inverse, uh, like an inward curve that. Uh, flares out at the end type yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean but this show is like i said it's very much like 
this is trying to capture the energy of like old Nicktoons and old cartoon cartoons for sure. Way more on the Nicktoon part, but for sure, yeah. Way more, way more on the Nicktoon side of things, but definitely it's it's got trying to be like a a '90s cartoon for sure, for sure. like a mid '90s cartoon. Not like an early '90s cartoon, or like because the early '90s cartoons are more like '80s cartoons. This is like, you know, well, cartoons that that we that were around that were coming out when we were little. Yeah, the um, I hate to say it again, but post Ren and Stimpy stuff. Yeah, basically. Um, post post Ren. It also like the comedy reminds me a lot of Angry Beavers. Yeah, the Angry Beavers is a much better comparison point, actually. Yeah. I love Angry Beavers. Same. I don't think it's a thing we can talk about on the show, but I love it. I got the name. I got the names. I got the names. Okay. So, oh, yeah? Uh, Laser and I, or at least I, was thinking of the modifiers. Yes! Uh, Whereas what modifiers. you were thinking of, uh, Joey, probably, was a different Cartoon Network pilot called Constant Pain. Yeah! Which that are thing. two yeah, yeah, yeah. different shows. Yeah, okay. Are they both Craig McCracken, though? <laughs> no, um, no. Constant Pain was created by Micah Wright and was uh, more in the vein of... It's only trying Impossible. to get on uh, Teen Titans, Kim Possible, Totally Spies, that... Because uh, it was like... Ben 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the... the but the, the the premise seems to be more in line with like Johnny Test. Because mm. it's a girl and her dad mm. uh, fighting evil in a steampunk city, which is very similar to the modifiers, where... Uh, the main character is a spy in a steampunk city, but it's very yeah. British. Yeah. It it pulls on the, like, she kind of has, like, that go-go dancer look mm-hmm. from the 60s and the mods. Like, someone you'd see yeah. in a, a a club scene in, in an Austin Powers 60s portion. Yeah. I liked the premise of the modifiers, though, because for those who don't know, part of the premise was she is a spy, but that means she is Unlike a lot of spy shows, she's actually actively in the evil faction as a st- actual spy. Yeah, like she has, she a, has a whole a, disguise like and name in identity. Yeah, because she's a spy, and so like the whole thing is she's balancing her actual spy cover and actually undermining them as a Bond-style secret agent that they also know of. Yeah, yep. um, which is a very fun way of doing the spy premise by making it actually spies. Was that but, Lauren Faust or Craig McCracken? I think they both worked on it. Uh, let me check. It I was for Nickelodeon. Say. That was the difference. Yeah, the that, modifiers yeah, yeah, Nickelodeon. Was, um, Constant Pain was Constant for Cartoon Pain Network. Was a, yeah, was a Cartoon Network pilot. Yeah. Um, it was created by Chris Riccardi and uh, Lynn Naylor. Oh, okay. So I was way off. Okay. Mister Mister Horvitz played the villain in that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, if you haven't seen Long Gone Gulch, go watch it. Fucking it's do really it. good. It's on YouTube. Like that that yeah, that's yeah. its home right now. It's its home. <laughs> go. It's free. Go watch it. Yeah. Um it has like a few hundred thousand views already. And, and share it. Social media it up. Mhm. Um the other th- the, the other animated thing that I watched was me and Adrian have been watching an anime called 91 Days. Uh, this is it's based, it takes place during Prohibition, mm-hmm. and it's a mafia revenge story. Hmm. I think a, you told me a little bit about this last week, or maybe it was when we played 
D and D. I can't remember. It was off podcast. It was off yeah, podcast. Okay. It. Yeah. But but I didn't want to get too much into it because I was going to talk about it on the podcast anyway. That's right. That's right. Okay. Sorry. Go on. And it's it's about a, a guy named Angelo, who his family is killed by four mafioso members mm-hmm. and then it's like seven years later and he gets a letter from somebody he's like hey i know the guys who killed your family and it's his like he so he tr- basically gets into the family where like he knows at least a couple of the people who killed his family or like the mafia family he gets in good with them and basically just starts ruining their lives and tr- planning his ultimate revenge mm. Maybe it's just because it's also a prohibition anime, but looking at this is reminding me of Bacano. It there are some character designs in it that do remind me of Bacano. Is Bacano good? Yes, I've heard it's good. I need to watch heard, more of it, I, but it's good. Okay, I've only heard good things about Bacano. All right, well, um, it's good anime. Highly recommend it. A lot of good voice actors in that. Mm. Uh, great performances. There's a character named Fongo. Uh, most people probably know him because he was in the JoJo anime a lot. He played Blueford in part one mm. of JoJo. Um, and he really, he hams it up so hard. He's having a blast in this anime. Excellent. He has a lot of, he has a lot of Majima energy. Ah. He's that guy. I get it. I get it. That's real good. There's, there's like a, uh, not just bolt. There's, it's a really like it's. This is a mafia anime. Like someone gets beaten to death with a telephone. Uh, someone gets like a Tiberius. If if you like Shakespeare. Mm. Um, a lot of cute boys in this anime. Yeah, and all of them are of age, as far as I'm aware. Perfect. Um, but uh, yeah, that's. To to get, to talk too much about it, which is just to be despoiled the whole anime. Mm. Got it. You know, um, and then uh, I started for the uh, going on my completely and totally legal uh, video game requirements. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I started playing Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, I've never played it before. And I I just are, I'm like six and a half hours in seven something like that. that. That's the one with Squall, right? No, that's no, that's eight. Eight was Squall. Nine's Zidane. Nine's Zidane and Vivi, uh, and Freya. It's and the, the one the, the where big they have clown... like the chibi look. Yes, a little bit. It okay. has the yeah, big yeah, yeah. clown chef. The big clown non-binary chef. clown chef. Is it the As one the lady. with the guy with the blue skin and the red dreadlocks and the pointy beard? Yep. Yes, yeah. it was yep. okay. white skin, though. But yes. White skin? Well, okay. The the lighting was, on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, no. He's, he, his appearance is kind of a reference to... Uh, actually, no, I need to double-check this. I know I'm it was like... I'm sure it's light blue. It might be... It was really light to me. Hmm. I haven't met him yet, so I don't know. Okay. Uh, I only just met Freya. Uh, who I'm, who I the the, the two characters that I knew right, before knowing. If, hmm. Uh, you're right. It's very light blue. Yeah. It, but it's like, like it's so light. It, it's so light that like I thought it was just the way they were shading his skin. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Even before playing nine, all I knew was I liked Vivian, I liked Freya, and 
I can say after playing uh, six and a half hours of Final Fantasy IX, I can say this. I've only known VV for five minutes. And if anything were to happen to him, I would kill everyone in this room and then myself. <laughs> VV's the black mage, right? Yes. Yeah, he's the black mage. He's okay. he's the most precious boy. He's six years old. Oh. <laughs> like, like, for actual. He's an actual baby. Oops, you committed a war crime. Oops, you committed a war crime. It's He's so... He's so cute. I love him. And he's he's having a bad time so far. <laughs> he's having not a great time. Oops, you committed a war crime. Like, well, they came across this factory that's making these go- golems or whatever the fuck. They're like constructs that look like black mages. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they look a lot like him. Mm. And it's causing him to have... Self-identity issues. Yeah, that'd do it. That'd be a bad He's, time. Like, like, kid, you're six. <laughs> like, yeah. questioning if I'm even a real person, and I'm like, kid, you're six! No, I did that at six. Christ. I... I remember... Well, my, mine's mine's depressing, so let's not get no. into mine. Okay. Uh, 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 I just yeah, remember yeah, being... Uh, to change topic very quickly. I remember being a kid, or same topic, but avoid get off that. Um, I remember being a kid, and I'd be like in the the car, and I'd be like, "What if this is all fake?" And my next thought would be, "Why am I getting existential again? I'm six. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's see. What was it? Um, from a, from a sort of like speaking on from a technical level and mechanically, mm-hmm. um. God, I really do miss pre-rendered backgrounds. Mm. There's so many pretty ones in this game. They're so pretty. They look. They still look fantastic. Mm. Um. And this. I mean. And the thing is, is about this game. This was for the PS One, right? Yeah. But this yes. Was, PS One. So the thing is, is that like this is the last Final Fantasy on the PS One, and you can tell. Because holy shit, does this look great for a PS1 game. Yeah, the last few games, the last few big budget games on a console's life cycle are always the most beautiful on that system. And Yeah, they yeah. figured it out. Yeah. They're, they're, pu- they're pushing the system to its limits. Yeah, that almost makes me wish they'd, like, extend the life cycle of consoles. Like, no, we finally figured it out. We can do well, it. That. You say that, but the PS3 generation lasted for 10 years. Yeah, I'll be real with you. Mm-hmm. I think that might still be my favorite generation. I was a PS2 guy, but... um, And the only other thing I wanted to talk about mechanically, it's kind of... You know how every Final Fantasy game has some sort of weird, esoteric-like mechanical thing? Mm-hmm. Right, like if you say eight so. has, eight has the draw system. I I like, would argue junctioning and guardian forces are more esoteric than drawing. I mean, yeah, I mean, but I mean, every Final Fantasy has something. Yeah, right? is ten blitzball? <laughs> no, ten it's is the like sphere how every grid. character has. It's the sphere grid. Yeah, I'm sorry that 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 was just me expanding. I'm not expanding. Um. 
expending all my Final Fantasy knowledge in one statement. <laughs> I like 10. 10 is good, but the, the sphere grid, and then, like, every character has their own mini mechanic, like, freaking Waka has a slot mechanic, and Kimari is a blue mage. And a dragon. Uh, but anyway, and a dragon. Um, the thing with 9 is that uh, how you learn skills in that game is really weird. Um, you learn skills by equipping items. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't, like, say, for example, there's a skill that Zedane has called Bandit, which you can only learn by equipping this one item. Like, uh, the Mithril Dagger, I think, and mm-hmm. some other items. But, but it, And as long as he has the Mithril Dagger equipped, he has Bandit. But if you want Bandit permanently, you have to use that item... Un- like you have to keep using that item until it like it has a bar filled and then you have that ability permanently so a-, a lot of the time it's not advantageous to actually equip your party with the best stuff you have mm. it's actually better for you to keep them with the stuff they already have until they learn the skill from that uh, from the item Tales of oh, Berseria okay. has the same system though it uses it for passive abilities not active abilities yeah um and I'll probably save more thoughts on it until I'm like much further in. It's still really early. I haven't even met all my party yet. Yeah. Um, I've 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 met Steiner, Vivi, uh, the princess, and Zidane. St- I like Steiner a lot. He's he's very comic relief, but I like him. He's basically the Zenigata of yeah this game. Okay. Zenigata, but in armor. <laughs> Zenigata. In fact, Zidane constantly calls him Sir Rusty. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Um, and then the two things related to me and KP are KP started streaming, uh, for all of us in the, the ser- one of the servers, and I'm, it's the first time I'm experiencing with Professor Layton. This reminds me of a puzzle. This remind, you know, this podcast reminds me of a puzzle. Does it? You know what? You being reminded of a puzzle reminds me of a puzzle. Okay, you know, a bit Luke, over. Me having this heart attack. <laughs> Luke, this heart attack reminds me of how it reminds me of a puzzle. The pu- the solution to the puzzle is how to perform a triple bypass. <laughs> so, Professor Layton is maybe one of my favorite video game franchises of all time. And I've been trying to get Joey to play it via emulation since he got uh the his e- ethernet cable. But unfortunately, the internet hates him. Mm-hmm. My computer does not want it. So I have been playing it for everyone instead, which is great fun because, again, I love Layton, uh, and we all have fun voicing the characters. Mm-hmm. But also I have forgotten enough of the puzzles that sometimes I'm genuinely in anger at the puzzles again. And we're all just like, there's always moments where all of us are like using our collective brain cells to try and solve these fucking puzzles. My favorite, because we're still in the first game, uh, where you still have the your standard um, trick question uh, lateral thinking puzzles. Like one of the, yeah. my favorites was actually um, three girls have three identical umbrellas uh, face down in a um, uh, in a holder. What are the chances, what percent chance is there that t- only two of the girls will walk away with their umbrella? The answer is zero. 
Yeah, no, that's the appropriate response. But the answer is zero. Because if two of them walk away with uh, their umbrella, the third girl's only option is her umbrella. Yep. So you can't can't have them walk away like that. Puzzles hurt Blazer's brain. (laughs) They don't hurt my brain. They just just kill my joy. Oh. Yeah, you wouldn't like Layton. I don't enjoy. Nope. I, I just. I don't see why puzzles are fun. I. They're not for everybody. They're not. I like them a lot, but I understand why. Why they're not, especially because there are genuinely puzzles in this game. In the first game, because it's the first game that I hate, because <laughs> either they're tedious or um, the solutions so obtuse as to be. Uh, impossible. Impossible, unless you already know the trick. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, there's hints. There is a hint system. Uh, the second game's the one where it gives you a big ol' fuck you f- with the hint- hints. There's a puzzle... We haven't gotten to it yet, Joey, but there's a series of puzzles in the second game that are based on... It's either chess or Chinese checkers. I forgot which. Okay. And you have to do... I think it was Chinese checkers. And you have to move all of the pieces of one color to the other side and all the pieces of the other color to the other side and a certain number of moves. Uh. And the solutions to the... Pu- and once you get to level two and three of the... Because it shows up three times with three different setups that are increasing difficulty. When you get to the second one, you use the hint coin and it's like, yeah, we aren't going to give you any hints for this puzzle, even if you could buy the super hint. Fuck off. And then when you get to the third one, it's like, you already knew we weren't giving you hints for this one. So instead, we'll give you fun facts about Chinese checkers. Well, actually, I would like to hear fun facts about Chinese checkers. I would like to hear fun facts about Chinese checkers, but fuck off also. (laughs) Fuck off also. (laughs) The... And the other thing is somehow through... I guess through a combination of Cape... Okay, so KP started playing Legacy of the Duelist, the Yu-Gi-Oh game. Because mm-hmm, they had a bunch of and, uh, Steam money <laughs> for yeah. Christmas. Mm. We played, we've been playing, it's been fun doing all the dumb voices like I get to voice Joey. Joey Wheeler. Uh, cause Joey Wheeler. Mm. Um, and then, you know, other characters. And it's just been fun going through, like, God, Yu-Gi-Oh is dumb, I love it. Um, just, like, realizing how fucking paper thin the plot is. So it's a story-based like where... Yu-Gi-Oh game. Link Evolution is novel. Link Evolution loosely a visual novel. It just is like no. here's the reminder of what happened at this point in the story. Now we get to the duel they did at this point in the story. You can use the deck they used in the show against the deck that showed up in the show. So you just get or to relive the most famous uh, duels. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Or, or make your own deck. And you have to make your own deck for all of the first season because uh, first season Yu-Gi-Oh had s- the world's shittiest decks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how Yu-Gi ever won with any of his. I don't know how Joey decks. ever won. Bullshit. That's how he won. He teed Heart of the Cards Time Wizard. That's how he won. He had one copy of Polymerization. Mm-hmm. Heart of the cards, you. The heart of the cards. The heart of the cards, you. Um, and the then, only person uh, who had a decent deck, and I'm including Kaiba in saying this, was Mai. 
And then I went and watched a series by a, a YouTuber named Simo, who does this series called the Yu-Gi-Oh! Progression Series, where him and his buddy, Nim Nim, uh, basically, this is how it works. They start with a core set of Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm -hmm. Like, Legend, let's say, let's start with Legend of Blue Eyes, which is the first set. They open a, an entire box of Legend of Blue Eyes in a virtual, you know, opener. And all the cards they get from that is what they got to make a deck. They make a deck, play against each other, and then the next episode, they move on to the next core set that came out the following whatever. And they move through the entirety of Yu-Gi-Oh's history through each core set, slowly upgrading their deck and playing against each other. Seeing Nim -nim. the evolution of the game as it happened. Nim-Nim. Nim-Nim. Yeah, is is that an actual yeah. name or like their handle? That, he goes by Nim-Nim. Okay, it's a handle. That's just okay. his... It's a handle. Okay, I, I feel more comfortable making fun of a, a handle than someone's actual name, but... Uh, no, that's, yeah, that's just his handle. Okay. Sorry, and go on. it's just literally reliving, like, oh, God, I remember when you used to be able to do that. Or, like, oh, float into... Play Mr. Tomato, float into another Mr. Tomato and tribute it for one of the Monarchs or Jinzo or oh, the fuck. It's way back in the day of old-ass Yu-Gi-Oh!, and then I was like, what if I played Yu-Gi-Oh again? And then you did. And I was like, and then I was like, nah. And then I thought about it some more. I'm like, wait, hold on. What if I got everybody I know to play Yu-Gi-Oh? So I would only play Yu-Gi-Oh with people who wanted to play Yu-Gi-Oh in a similar way I did. It was just like, let's just have fun and play stupid shit. Not necessarily the best deck. Yeah. And then And then Jesse decided myself, to play Trickstars anyway. I mean, the thing is that Jess is bad at piloting it, so it's fine. Uh, our friend Jess, our friend Jess, our friend Ryan, KP, and our friend Blake, who we have mentioned a few times on the show, all uh, last night just uh, played Yu-Gi-Oh on Project Ignis, and now um, now we're back in. <laughs> I'm back in on Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh... It's a fun time when you don't take it at all seriously. Yeah, if you just if you embrace that Yu-Gi-Oh is stupid and it's an it's like Yu-Gi-Oh is stupid and dumb and it's kind of you just do busted shit all the time. If you just kind of embrace that, Yu-Gi-Oh was a fun time. That that that's kind of the secret to enjoying anything, I'd reckon. Mm, just kind of embrace it's, you know. Yeah, like the thing that yeah. What you're doing doesn't have to be cool or good. It just has to be fun. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh is Yu-Gi-Oh is not a well-designed card game or a balanced card game, but it's a fun card game. Yeah, just don't take shit so seriously, man. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing a deck called. Uh, there's a set of cards called Danger. They're basically cryptids. Yeah. Suchinoko, real. Da da Danger Bigfoot. Danger Suchinoko. Danger Mothman. Okay. I, I just and, want to clarify. Can... I, I wasn't telling you not to take stuff so seriously, man. That was just like a... No. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and then um, what they basically... You reveal from them from the hand, and your opponent gets to choose a card from your hand, and if the that revealed card was discarded, they get like an effect off when they go to the graveyard. Um, and... Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And they do all kinds of shit with that. And you combine them with the archetypal dark worlds, which get their which get their effects off when you discard them. 
So you just do shenanigans with revealing dangers, and then whatever your opponent discards, you're probably going to get some value off of it. Mm. And then you just loop shit out of your graveyard, shit goes off in your graveyard, draw cards, summon big monsters, you know, overlay them with exceed into the, with from the extra deck, all stupid shit. Yu-Gi-Oh. The thing I like to do in Yu-Gi-Oh, just juggle my graveyard and my field in my hand. Okay. Just the same thing I like to do in Magic. Just, you know, move shit around. And that's that's just been a fun time just playing Yu-Gi-Oh! casually with people who all are like, yeah, let's just do whatever. Yeah, have some fun with it. Find a deck we like and just play it. Not necessarily the best deck. Right on. And that's that's it for me. Um. So... I've just been playing a lot of video games that I got since Christmas. Mm. Um, I've been playing, in addition to playing Layton uh, for Joey, I've also been playing Mirror's Edge. Oh. Um, old game, I'm aware. But yeah. it's been fun. Um, Whack, it's definitely some of the uh, mechanics were... Some of the moves, movement things it wants me to do, it's been way tighter than it needed to be, but it's it's been fun. I started Iconoclast recently. What um, is that? I, I, I'm i familiar it's a with Metro- the name. It's vaguely a Metroidvania um, where you play as a girl who is a mechanic in a science fiction post-apocalyptic world where everyone's assigned a job by the church. And she was not assigned mechanic. She is, in fact, hmm. currently officially unemployed. Hmm. She didn't pick this job, but because she's doing it anyway without getting picked, that's a illegal and a problem. Mm. Uh, and it opens with this thing of there's also some sort of divine judgment that's been destroying the houses of quote-unquote sinners. Um, and the first thing happens, you go check out a house that's recently been blown up. You fight the thing that blew it up. Mostly out of curiosity more than anything else. You come back home, and the ch- the church's inquisitors are there to threaten your life. No one ever expects the Inquisition. Then they leave. You go do mechanic stuff. They catch you doing mechanic stuff. And now they can just execute you. Of course. And the game picks up from there. Hmm. Um, so it's it's been a fun time, but I need to actually get back to it. Hmm. Uh, I also have been playing Puyo Puyo Tetris. Oh. Um, I'm way better at Tetris than Puyo, <laughs> which I'm sure is the experience of um, most Americans. Yeah. Because mo- I can't say everyone, but most Americans have played some variation of Tetris before. Very few have played some variation of Puyo before. It it came Tetris came with the Game Boy when it first yeah. released here. And also, mm-hmm. I think my first cell phone in 2004 came with Tetris. Basically, on there every are. Phone. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. been on every platform known to man. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. maybe the most popular puzzle game of all time. Puyo it's Puyo. The, it's the oh, only puzzle game I like. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, it's because it's more about speed and quick thinking than. Um, you know, planning. Critical thing. Yeah. You don't need to do a. You don't need to do a lot of planning or forethought with Tetris, at least to to do a standard. 
I slot goes into your one row type Tetris. If you're doing yeah. T-spins and shit, that's a whole other thing. Um, Puyo Puyo, on the other hand, is the most popular um, puzzle franchise in Japan. It's incredibly popular. It's been under three different publishers. Um, uh, to those who don't know anything about Puyo Puyo, it's also it was released in the West originally as Eggman's Mean Bean Machine and Kirby's oh, Avalanche. Oh, okay. That they decided to reskin the entire game, the first uh, Puyo game. Uh, as those games, because they didn't think the Puyo license would work in America, because it was originally a spin-off of an RPG franchise, which then eclipsed the RPG franchise. <laughs> Just completely eclipsed it. Um, yeah. To the point where they have stopped making... Uh, that that franch that RPG franchise and just you know what we'll just make Puyo we'll just make Puyo, yeah. um and that's what happened in America then they stopped making redoing the games because neither Mean Bean Machine or Kirby's Avalanche they did well but not well enough for them to do the other Puyo games mm. plus I imagine it was kind of costly to do, redo all the assets entirely um and then when Sega bought the license to Puyo Puyo. Uh, around the age of the DS. That's when Puyo Pop Fever came out. That's what that series is called in America. Mm -hmm. Um, where we got most, but not all of those games. Um, yeah. Sega still makes the, the franchise now, uh, but there's been flipping since. And so the first game since they dropped, since... I want to say, like, the third Puyo Pop game in America, they just stopped making because it wasn't doing well. They stopped releasing them. Puyo Tetris has been the first game in like a, a decade to come over. Probably because anything with Tetris on it sells like hotcakes. Yeah. Um, and the general idea is because Tetris is the most um, popular Western puzzle series and Puyo is the most popular Japanese puzzle series. Yeah. They wanted to mash them together in a big old crossover. Makes sense. Um, you can fight people playing Puyo while playing Tetris instead of Puyo and vice versa or you can fight people two people doing Tetris back and back like you would in Tetris 99 or your standard Puyo 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 versus Puyo Puyo um it's fun it's not particularly balanced and the second one came out very recently it's just not on PC yet so I want to play through the story of the first game first because there is a story story because Puyo Puyo games have always had a story even if it's paper thin and nothing it's more about the characters than the proper plot. Got it. Um, but yeah, that's been a fun time. I think more people would enjoy Puyo Puyo if they tried it. They're at least Puyo Puyo Tetris, because again, you can just play Tetris if you're bad at Puyo. Um, hmm. Also, Puyo Tetris 2, the DLC for that just came out. I haven't played it yet, but Sonic the Hedgehog's in that game now. Hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Um, the other game I've been playing a lot of recently is Stardew Valley, because hmm. the 1.5 update dropped recently. So, like, I've been playing through that game again. It's been fun. Um, I'm almost married to a wizard. That's a fun time. You know, I've, I've played a lot of Stardew, actually. Uh, well, I say a lot. It feels like a lot, but I haven't played it. You did say Stardew, right? Yeah, Stardew. Okay, good. I, I wanted to make sure my brain didn't yeah. autocorrect. Uh or change it or you know what i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. yeah. harvest uh, moon but but gay and new yeah 
Uh, let me see. Let me see how much I've actually put into that. I have 110.7 hours. Damn. Uh, I have around that, too. I have 109.8. Just shy of what you had. I haven't played since 2018, but still. Uh, I I think I play that game wrong. (laughs) Uh, But I like the way I play it. Mm -hmm. I don't give two shits about the villagers. No, that's valid. Okay. I, I I think the first 90 hours was just farming. Mm. And then I spent like 10 hours going between farming and the mines. Yeah. That makes sense. I like a lot of the villagers. But I know what I usually do is uh, beeline towards a uh, marriage candidate. Mm. And then, then figure out what I want to do. Problem, I'm using a mod to get my marriage candidate because he's not in the base game as a marriage candidate. Ah. Uh, the wizard. Yeah. I don't know. You can't marry him in the base game, but I was like, eh, fuck it. I want a magic husband. Um, yeah. Don't we all? And the mod, for whatever reason, I need two stars, uh, two hearts with another villager to get his six heart uh, scene. But it didn't require a that scene to see his eight or ten heart is the weird thing. So, like, I'm just waiting to get uh, Leah to uh, two hearts so I can finally see a six heart scene. Because hmm. I know I need to see all of them before it's a, it'll it'll allow me to marry him. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I also need to upgrade my house again. But yeah, Stardew is always a fun time. Um, and it, it does remind me that I'm also excited for the new uh, Harvest Moon coming out and the new Rune Factory coming out. But um, otherwise, I haven't. There's other games I ha- have gotten from. Um, oh, and Hades. I, I completely forgot to mention Hades. I've been playing a lot of Hades. <laughs> I just got to uh, the final boss for the first time to avoid spoiling what it is. Mm. Even though I'm pretty sure everyone already knows what it is by now. Doesn't hurt. I don't. Um, he's hard. Got to f- his second phase. Um, before dying that time, the run I got to him. Hades is a fun time. Um, Zagreus is a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. Um... And it's definitely one of those games where I don't, even though it's a roguelike, I don't feel compelled to do seven runs right in a row all the time. It's very much a, it's an easy game to pick up and then drop after a run. Mm. It's got a very clean end to point. Unlike Stardew Valley, where you're just like, hey, I'll do one more day. I'll just do one more day. Yeah. That, that, that's kind of how I am with Minecraft. Then you just keep doing that. Um, yeah. I have gotten another, a couple other games since Christmas. Um, Risk of Rain 2. I, I've played a bit of that. Um, which I got mostly because it's uh, multiplayer and I figured I could play it with some people at some point in time in the future. Um, yeah. I picked up this game, Pedal Crash. Um, it's another puzzle fighter, so if you're not into puzzles, I, it's not for you. Yeah. Um, but it's an indie puzzle fighter where the idea is you throw these blocks together um, and 
they will uh, crash into each other and do little burst and fire any blocks adjacent to those blocks uh, to either the up, down, left, or right from them, depending on where they are connected to it. And if they crash into a further block, that creates a chain. So unlike most puzzle games where you're going like uh, from the top to the bottom or the bottom to the top, you're moving everything all the way around <coughs> all the time. Hmm. It's been a fun time. I find it easier to wrap my head around than, say, Puyo. Hmm. Um, and it's got a, just as thin a plot as Puyo, really. Um, but the general idea is that it's a, it's kind of like a um, Fate, a Madoka, a Ryuki. There's seven MacGuffins you need to gather. Gather them, you get a wish. Ah, gather them, okay. you gotta play Petal Crash. Boom. A Plot solved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wish MacGuffins. Tournament yeah. art. Etc. Yeah. Etc. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, and as we mentioned, I've been pl- I played Legacy of the Duels because I got it because of Christmas money. Yep. So yeah, that's been my week and beyond, sort of. All right. Uh. Well. Okay, so my turn. Yep. That's Let's how start works. with. Yep, uh, I watched three. I watched seven seasons of anime. That's uh, three different series. Oh boy! Uh, I watched Konosuba seasons one and two. Uh, oh, all of these are the English dubs, by the way. You you got um, through all of you got through all of the first two seasons, huh? Yeah, and the OVA and the movie. I thought you didn't like it. <laughs> I <laughs> hold on. This is way funnier if you still don't. To me. Uh huh. Okay. Here's the thing. Like? Okay. Well, no. You see, you you took what I said the wrong way. I think it is overall stupid and not worthwhile. Uh huh. But every once in a while, it's just got that gut buster that like. I want I, I I like the gutbuster. It makes it worth it to me. Uh, I just want the good joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it's an English dub, and it's not you know visually impressive. So I can you know, I don't mind if I get distracted. Uh, this so it's just a, sort of something. This is such a glowing review. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Not worth it. Uh, it it, it is quite literally the family guy of Japanese anime in my opinion it it is uh, lowest common denominator entertainment Uh, it often skews into jokes that shouldn't be made Uh, but every once in a while it's just got one that's just such a gut buster Mm -hmm. uh, that it made me want to see it through Okay. Every time I th- see stuff from that show, it's always the girls, and it, I always forget there's like a dude. You mean that's the actual main character? You mean Mr. Generic Man? Yeah, he. Which quite I literally don't is. really understand why anime 
likes to do. I get that's because every main protagonist for Isekai that, that's literally wish it. fulfillment. Yeah. But like I, I, it's just mm-hmm. do you can do something interesting with that character archetype and they never do. There's uh, one where they do. There is uh, one. there's one that I'm gonna talk about where they do. There is Well yeah, but I mean in general the they don't. Also, like we, that, yeah. that's just like like in this specifically even I'm just like why would you make a gag anime and the main characters boring as a stack of bricks and not make a joke about it and not make that the joke cuz like th- i get you can make that the joke like syllabus and dot hack <laughs> yeah where his whole joke is he is mr generic now the kp we've also watched an anime that does this we have yeah that's where I'm like, you can do the character archetype and still do something interesting with it. That was my. Or fa- you could just, I don't know, make an interesting main character. That was well, yeah. that was my favorite part of watching Unlimited Blade Works with you. Was mm-hmm. you realizing, wait, hold on, Shiro isn't just main protagonist man. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually an interesting character. Yeah. yeah. That was the best. Because I thought that too. That was my exact thing. Hold like, on. Wait, hold on, Shiro has depth. He's a well-written and interesting character. Hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Yeah? Sorry, there's barking on my end. Uh, Make sure it doesn't show up in... Uh, We haven't heard... I haven't heard it. No, I haven't heard it either. Okay, then it's fine. It's fine. But anyway. Uh, Yeah, so that's Konosuba. Um, There are two interesting characters in that series, and Mm -hmm. they are not the guy or the goddess. Hmm. It it's uh the the high level mage who only knows one spell and can only cast it once a day and the tank who is a masochist. <laughs> uh and and those are the most bare bones descriptions of them. Um isn't her name Darkness? That's the title she goes on her she has like a, a fancy like no she's a nobleman's daughter. She has like a a haughty nobleman's daughter name. I can't mm. remember what it is, but it it's like she hates her name, so she goes by darkness. The only problem I've heard with that character is that, like, the joke of the tank being a masochist is funny, but I've heard that gets real gross in a, at a certain point. Mm. It... It's gross in the keep your kinks in the bedroom sense. No, I've heard it gets mm. problematic. Gross. Maybe it wasn't in the dub. Maybe. Uh, maybe I I don't I don't know. Maybe it went over my head. Maybe it was one of the parts where I zoned out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> ah. it could have been. Uh. What was the other? Uh, thing? What was the other things you watched? So. The next one. I'm doing this in sequence. Uh, The next one has its own issues, but... (sighs) Okay. I watched uh, RE0 starting life in a new world. Yes, I've heard of this. Um, Whoever made the characters, who designed the characters, I think they're a pedophile. Because uh, there's a lot of shock, shock and awe. Yeah, th- there's a lot of uh, this character looks seven years old, but is like an ageless spirit type bullshit. 
uh, a trope yeah. I've only seen done well once. I, I don't even think it's been done well because here. The ca- explicitly because the character was not uh, sexualized. Yeah. I will say that she is not a romantic interest in this one. She's just a character there. The bar is so low. Yeah. <laughs> uh, literally, there's only one romantic interest in this show. There's char- There's another character who has feelings for the main character, but he's like, I- I'm sorry. I've only got eyes for Amelia. I'm, I'm sorry, man. Uh-huh. Sorry, bro. Mm. Uh, but, okay. So that's the bad part about it. Uh, not not that there's only one romantic that that, that the guy is a supreme monogamist it, it's the way too many little girl characters um mm-hmm. all the characters are really well written mm. uh there is so much character growth across the board with the exception of maybe like a couple villains who are like just cartoonish. Hmm. Um, okay. The main character is this guy who... So, okay. You know how most isekai start? Uh, the main character is a neat, uh, a shut-in, goes mm-hmm. out, dies, wakes up in a, a ethereal realm sitting in front of a goddess, and mm-hmm. she's like, I must send you to another world, and I will give you this power, and... I'm, I'm telling you what's going to happen. He just... He's not really a shut-in, but he doesn't go to school. He's not working. He, he's mm. like 17. He's... So still a neat. Yeah, a neat. Yeah, a neat. But he could be going to school. He could be going to high school. Uh, he hasn't even officially dropped out. Um, is it that he's not dropped out, or is it just he isn't going? Because, like, in Japan, it's not compulsory like it is in America. It, it He has not yet dropped out. Okay. Uh, he is still enrolled, but he has not been... It's only been, like, I think... I think at some point they say it's been, like, a month or two where he hasn't gone or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. he, he's becoming a neat, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, but he, he went out to the convenience store, and, you know, the opening scene... Well, the opening scene is actually him dying. Uh, but it, it flashes back in time. He's in the convenience store. He's looking at manga... He buys some instant ramen and a bag of chips and I think like a drink and he walks out of the convenience store and suddenly he's in the middle of a medieval town market square. Hmm. This is kind of like how Zero no Tsukaima starts. Yeah. Uh, I watched that a long time ago. Uh but he was summoned. Wasn't he summoned there? Wasn't he like... He was, from his perspective, he had just gone to the convenience store, walked outside, and was suddenly uh, in the middle of a summoning circle at a magic school. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched... I think... When did that come out? I remember watching it. Long time ago. I've, I only watched it because Rihanna, Rie Kukamiya was in it. Okay. Uh, I think it was like must have been like 2008, 2000. I think I was like just out of high school. Um, it, it initially came out 2006. 
2000. Okay, so I was probably watching. And the anime the only did a single season, even though the light novel series continued for three years. Really? Oh no no no! Wait, no, it had other seasons. They just had different subtitles. Yeah, um, that that's what it was. So, uh, because the, the first season was the only one I watched, it was 2006. There was a second season, 2007. Uh, then there was one in 2008, and one in 2012. Yeah, I think I watched like maybe first season and a half um, of that one, but that that's not what we're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, but he doesn't like walk into a, a ritual circle. It's just he's in the middle of a crowd, like going yeah. about their business. Um, and he, you know, he goes through and he's like, I can understand people, but I can't read the writing. Um, and he's sort of like figuring out like the stuff. Rules. Yeah, basically. Uh, he's meeting, he meets someone and he's like, going along with them, helping them as he can. And then he gets killed. Hmm. Uh, and he wakes up and he's at what he calls a reset point uh, where he's just standing in front of this uh, fruit stall talking hmm. to this guy. Um, and that's basically the premise. You know, he uh, he dies and he comes back. Uh, returned by death is what he calls the power. Um, hmm. and he can't tell anyone he has this power. Because uh, at some point he tells, tries to tell someone. Um, and at some point he he meets back up with uh, the person he met in his first go around. And after a couple times of dying, trying to help her, he starts falling in love with her. Uh, hmm. And medieval anime shenanigans um his whole early character arc is i've got to get this right i've got to do it right i need to help the people i care about Mm. um and then by the end of season two it's like yeah, you're helping, but you're kind of doing it selfishly. Like you're not taking. Actually, by the end of the first season, yeah, end of the first season, beginning of the second season, it's like, yeah, you're trying to help, but you're not listening. You're not listening to what they want, and it's like, oh, I gotta be more conscientious of the people around me. Okay, and so he he actually learns and he grows from that, and he's like, okay, I'm going to help these people, but I need to respect their wishes i can't do this selfishly and you see him actually grow through that and then it's like then by the end of the second season like man yeah you're you're being better about helping people but you keep killing yourself to help them like literally (laughs) one time it's like no i can't accept this outcome and he stabs himself in the throat so he can reset and get try to get the better work harder to get the better outcome um uh, because I think someone he deeply cared about uh, died, and he's like, "No, I can't. I can't accept that." Um, mm. And he's he's taking all this on, and it it starts becoming not only about um, like learning to understand other people's emotions, but it's also dealing with the things that led him to becoming a neat in the first place, and his own feelings of self-loathing and depression and worthlessness 
Mm-hmm. And it hits really close to home. Mm. Uh, I, I've been dealing with self-loathing uh, my entire fucking life mm. and a, a, a sense of worthlessness. And so it, it really spoke to me on that level. Uh, it hasn't changed me in any way, shape, or form, but it's like, <laughs> fuck, man. Uh, Cheers, bro. I'll drink to that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, um... The people who have character arcs in it are they're all really well written, man. Um I just wish someone else had designed the characters. Okay, like I'm I'm looking at this one character and I'm like, oh this is oh The Witch of Gluttony. Oh yeah. That's, yeah, that's the ugh. yeah. It's oh, disgusting. Oh that's it real. is yeah, it it's real bad. It's I really just I wish like okay anyone else had designed the characters. Here's the anyone thing. else? She's not. It's not like she's not, it's not. She's wearing a lot of clothes. It's just that like okay, she's the some of it's pro- flesh colored. Some of it's flesh. Well, that's not that's not that's not the only problem here. Is that like she's the witch of gluttony? So of course there's yeah. gonna be the like real horny. Implications of vor. Yeah. It's, yeah. Also, why if she's gluttony, why is she fully in bondage gear? To restrain her from eating everything. Yeah. I guess. Great. Like that that's the implication, at least that when, when they like uh there, there's one point where uh so Spoilers. Uh, spoilers. I I I can't really talk about the witches because they're they get sh- they show up in like second half of the second season. It it's mm. like real late in mm. or second season. I'm sorry, no. Se- second season's only halfway done. Um, the second half of the second season is airing right now, actually, in Japan. Okay, it has not been dubbed yet. Um. Uh, but the the first half of the second they they show up like right around the end of the first half of the second season, um, and I can't really talk about them without spoilers. Um, uh, so just fair warning, spoilers. Basically, uh, th- there's this part where our main character Subaru, uh, car company jokes here and now, la la. Yes. Uh, Subaru Onisan. Does anyone call him that? It's a I'm just making a Nissan joke. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the one. Who, I'm not the first one to make that joke. First, I heard. I watched the English dub, so first I heard it. Okay. Uh, because I'm, I'm sure th- there's definitely a character who would refer to him as Nissan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nissan Subaru. Um. Basically, there's there's one point where he's speaking to the witch of envy. I think that's the one he's dealing with, and she's like, "All right, I'll let you speak to the witch of gluttony, but you gotta be real careful. Keep your hands clear and do not let her out of her restraints." Um, and then you know, shenanigans happens. She does not get out of her restraints, but it, it it's implied like 
she will consume everything, including you, if she's let out of the restraints. That That's the horrible bullshit excuse for the BDSM bullshit. And I... Just, anyone bad. else, just... Mm. It's bad. We don't, we, don't yeah. need to talk, we don't need to talk about it anymore. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. But the right I, I I can't stress enough. The writing in it is really good. It it <sighs> The character arcs are real good. The character arcs are real good. It it's it, it talks a lot about um like self worth and loving yourself and that that's a lot of people's themes. There is a lot of graphic violence and graphic death scenes in this. If you are not game for that don't watch it. Um, a lot of blood. Yep. A lot of cases of Subaru killing himself because he realizes, if I die, I can do this again. And there's a certain point where the, the trauma of him dying literally paralyzes him. Like, he, he, it's built up too much, and he is catatonic, and then he's snapped out of it, and he, it's like, okay, I have, yeah. Um, Got it. Yeah. So that's RE0. The last thing I watched, uh, which I think is the easiest to recommend because I don't feel like... I don't feel like there, there's... There's horny characters, but they... They don't really look like okay. It's Overlord. I okay. Yes, I like Overlord. The thing you've seen o- Overlord. I've seen Overlord. I love Overlord. Okay. Now here's the thing Overlord's Overlord. real good. Overlord is my rad. The friend of the show best described Overlord. Overlord is really really good when it forgets that it's an isekai. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When it focuses on literally anything but the shit you would expect from an isekai, that's when Overlord is really good. It does really good world building, because there are entire episodes where our protagonist just isn't in it. Exactly. I, I love that um, Momonga, the our main hero, is, number one, I like that he's shrewd. He's literally the most powerful person in this entire world, but he's still very careful and cautious and plans out his shit. And yeah, yeah. I also the like only thing I would not... change. Yeah. There's only one thing I'd change about him, and it would be the 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 fact that he lost his like connection or affinity for humanity. I like that because I think they're going to do something interesting with it later. I yeah, I, I do think they're going to do something interesting with it, but it would. I don't know. Um, I think he does do some like needlessly evil shit here or there that. It's probably just because of that disconnect. I mean, I, I like that he's not... I like that he's not a good person. Which I like. You see, that's the thing. It's like... He has, I think he, has his... question, he has questionable morals. And I think that's just because of the setting he's in. Because I can't see... Like, he doesn't strike me as, like, back in the real world. Because this was originally an MMO. It, it's a trapped in a video game, but it's not trapped in a video game. It's this video game became an alternate world uh, type set situation. Lockdown. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, he doesn't seem like he was a like a ship a shit heel there either. I okay, but like the, the you wouldn't I wouldn't act exactly the same as I do in real life. I got put in MMO. I would act very and, differently. And I had and I had God powers. Yeah, I. No, I I. Basically, be me because I think I'd still just be a shut in. <laughs> well, that's you. E- even it, if I like, okay, if I was, if I had God powers and I, I had to go out and do stuff, I s- I can't play a dark side playthrough of Kotor because it makes me feel physically ill. Oh no, no, no. I'm not saying okay, but there are people who would and who with that power, I don't know if they would. Yeah, there are be people as who, good are, and and they're in a situation where they're already expected to be evil. I don't think they would have as much qualms as say you or I yeah. because the power's right there for them. In fact, one of the most interesting things about Overlord is that Ains aka Mamonga is constantly trying to be like I got to play this off like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, and also be evil because if I don't, number one, if I don't play this off like I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm not, you know, I don't act evil. These super powerful NPC characters who are who are who are gaining sapience, sapience may in fact betray me because they are also evil. But they're yeah, that is true. They're, they're super loyal to me, but and I have to keep it that way. To to and put also, it in a certain parlance, it's light side later. Yeah, and the other thing about Overlord that I really like is that, like, when it does the... There's some stuff that it, that it's like, you just didn't need to be here. Um, main, There's, like, a one character in particular that I can think of, that Sheltier, the vampire, the vampire girl. Yeah. That she, Now, the thing is, is that the anime sometimes feels aware of it, because the the... Sheltier is a vampire. She's like thousands of years old, whatever. She looks like fourteen, whatever. That's. But the thing is, is that she was an NPC made by one of the members of Momonga's guild. Yeah. And he did. And the thing is, is that like every time she does something, that's like, oh, she's like, she's supposed to be this character archetype of this really creepy. I don't want to say the L word. Um, mm. vampire and and and. Every time internally, he's like, "Why did you make her like this? Why would you make this character? This is the worst. I hate this." Yeah. And in fact, there was a there's an NPC that you that he made that you meet later that he made when he was like a teenager. Yeah. And he's very uh, what's the one I'm looking for? Uh, what what's the the when you're really into German World War Two stuff as a as a Japanese. Yeah. He does. I the, don't know the term, but I know exactly what you mean. He he does the Sieg Heil. And he wears like the the German uniform, and he sees him, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is the worst! Why did I think this was cool? This is the worst! I hate this!" And he literally is like, he he literally like drags him away, corners him, is like, "Don't fucking do this shit! Don't stop with the don't fucking do this shit! Stop with the sea Kyle! In fact, change your entire outfit. Just get just change who you are. I don't want to." No, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Don't speak German in my presence. <laughs> stop it. I hate this. I hate this. Like it's, yeah. it's it's literally you're 30 and you're looking back at the shit you did when you were 12. Yeah. Yeah. And it But now it, it's gained sentience. And then <laughs> it and it's it's like I don't know if it's being self-aware or not. 
and it's because it feels like it, it, it is definitely sometimes. is. It it definitely is. Um, but it's also cashing in on the the. It's being self aware, but also cashing in on the people who like that stuff. Basically, so it's. That's why it's most of the time it's really good. It's just that, like, occasionally they're like, I guess we gotta throw the people who, the the audience who usually watches these things a bone every once in a while, otherwise they'll stop watching, and then they they do. Yeah, basically. We, I'm not gonna to to derail us into Log Horizon for too much longer. I do think hearing how much you've been doing all this these kind of stuff, I think you'll actually and genuinely enjoy Log Horizon. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I'm always down for medieval fantasy. Like, that is my bread and butter. Mm. That is my safe place. That is my yeah. home base. Mm-hmm. I'm never sick of it. Um, mm. And if I am, I just go to urban fantasy. I love fantasy. Yeah. Uh, if there's cool sword fights and maybe a dragon, I'm in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Also, because of the nature of Momonga being super powerful and, like, God, the... the the way that the world reacts around him is some of the most interesting stuff in the show. Yeah, it really... Because it's like, the highest level of magic a human can do is third tier! It's like, uh, he just did god tier. Oh, he just like, did world tier. Like ninth level uh, magic. Yeah. Awesome. Like, he's he's so beyond powerful. He killed seven... In, in Spoilers. In Are you up to date on it? Oh, yeah, I watched all of it. Okay, cool. Um, spoilers... Uh, for the KP, do you care? Nope. Okay. Uh, spoilers for those who do. In in like the what like third to last second to last episode of the third season, he uh, uses one spell and kills seventy thousand enemy soldiers. Yep. And then summons the 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 bleeding goats, aka the servants of Nyarlotep. Yeah. Which is just goat legs and a bunch of mouths. Hold, and... hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Future laser, uh, be sure to cut this. Sorry. Anyway. Okay. Uh. So so yeah. Uh. It it's. He's ridiculously powerful. He he is the most powerful thing. Um. And yet he's still super shrewd and careful. Yeah, because he doesn't. <sighs> He literally, he falls, it, it, okay, it's my favorite kind of comedy, it's a comedy of errors. He bumblefucks his way into taking over the world, which is hilarious. Yes, and it's because it, it's all based on the assumptions of his underlings of what he wants to do. They just assume <laughs> that he's trying to conquer the world, and they're like, all these things that you've been doing, scouting out the people, learning their ways, it's all been to conquer the world, hasn't it? Yes! Exactly! That was exactly my plan. Totally. Yeah. Oh my god, why did he why did I agree to that? Why did he why did he think I'm trying to conquer the world? I gotta go along with this now, actually. Fuck. Yeah. The only other thing I could have done without in this is the 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 lizard sex. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> like other than the stuff you mentioned, that's the only one I could have done without. Um at least, like, not the visual, just the visual part of it. The joke was funny. Fair enough. Uh, the joke where he's like, I'm going to use my magic mirror to view this, the general of the lizard army. 
Yeah. Also, the lizard people are the yeah. most I've cared about characters in an anime in a very long time. Yeah, the, li- the, lizard, the lizard people arc is super good. That end fight where freaking the Kokutas challenges them to the one-on-one duel and as a matter of honor is sick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Overlord is such a solid recommendation. O- Overlord, good. Go watch Overlord. I... I, I... Fell into it because I was looking at another. I, I I got in the mood after watching two, one show that's not a recommend and one that's not an easy recommend. Uh, I I kind of wanted a gag thing, but I was still in that isekai mood, and I found a uh, a gag series that it's it's just like a a chibi school life version. Isekai. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that one. Uh, and I was like, well, I've seen two of these series, so I'll, I'll check this out. Yeah. Uh, and it, it didn't really speak to me. I didn't, I just didn't like seeing the Nazi characters, the mm-hmm. totally not Nazi characters. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that series is. I don't want to know what that series is. Okay. Tanya the evil, probably. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, Tanya the Evil. Um, anytime a character says uh, to my dear, glorious fatherland, I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. Yep. So that's um, Overlord. Yeah, so that's over. But but that's how I found out Overlord. I was like, oh, that looks funny. Um, and Overlord is fantastic. Go watch Overlord. Um, yeah, just ignore, like, the every once in a while them throwing the bone to the people who like usually like isekai anime. Yeah, the only other time I think I could I really think they could uh there is one fairly graphic uh uh example of uh sexual violence. Mhm. Um the butler guy, I can't it's with an s. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I like him. He's cool. He's the coolest motherfucker around. Uh, he He's my favorite. I wish the series was about him. Genuinely. Um, uh, not not that I don't like the series as it is, but his episodes are some of my favorite. Um, just because he's a cool motherfucker. Um, but uh, he has an arc there where he... Yeah, there, there, there's, um, he kills a brothel owner, and that brothel owner fucking deserves it. He did. Uh-uh. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Um. Yep. So that's my week. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and Ooh. when we get back, yeah, it's been an hour 42. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll. Pro- you'll probably have to cut some of that. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, take a break. Yeah, we're gonna take a break, and when we get back, it's uh, Castle Cagliostro. We'll, uh, we'll see you then. Now we're back on to our show. And 
Welcome back, everybody, to Acme Podcast Incorporated. Uh, that was a long week segment. Uh, thank you for sticking through it or skipping through it. You know, whichever you did. Uh, either way, thanks for listening to this part. <laughs> uh, so we are starting on Lupin the Third, Castle Cagliostro came out seventy nine. Uh, I watched the streamlined dub. Do you all we know also, which version you watched? We watched the streamlined dub. Yes. Okay. Cool. No. Yeah, which is unfortunate because apparent because this is the fun fact I wanted to bring into this episode starting. Okay. Uh, Manga Entertainment's dub, which was from two thousand, not from uh, nineteen ninety two. Lupin was voiced by David Hayter. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of his, like, f- not first, but it was uh, before he became, sn- well, it was before uh, MGS2. Yeah. Ah. So he had voiced Snake two years earlier with um, 1998, but it was before he, like, before Snake, before the Metal Gear Solid series really started kicking off. That's surprising because my main knowledge of Metal Gear Solid is everyone loved the first one, was pissed about the second one, and then revered the third one as godly. Yeah, like um, Devil May Cry. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Except I would tell you that unlike Devil May Cry 2, Metal Gear Solid 2 is actually worth your time. Yes, that 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 is the major difference to my knowledge as well. Um. People just don't like Raiden for whatever dumb reason. Listen, the game ends with you having a katana fight with the president, who is also your father. (sighs) Love it. It's truly whack. It's great. Anyway. Anyway, um, Info. Yeah. uh, I don't really have any info, really. I don't have a lot of info on... uh, the streamlined dub, but it's a streamlined dub from 1992. But uh, walking away from that, uh, walking it back, directed by Hayao Miyazaki of Ghibli before Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, proto proto Ghibli, basically. This is his di- directorial debut. Yep. yep. If I uh, remember correctly, he had done episodes of red jacket before this he did television but this is his first time directing a film yes yes film directorial debut um based on the graphic no- the the manga series uh by monkey punch mm-hmm. i don't know if we know his real name <laughs> um do we know his do, real name do we know his real name yes kazuhiko kato thank you um Screenplay is by Hayao Miyazaki and Haruya Yamazaki. Uh, And it's all based... I wouldn't say it's based on, but it spins off from the uh, Maurice Leblanc uh, novel series of uh, Arsène Lupin. Arsène Lupin? Yeah. Uh, Who is a master thief. Uh... The origin of the gentleman thief archetype. To, to those who don't know, he's d- basically to the phantom thief what Sherlock Holmes was to the detective. Exactly. To the point where there was Sherlock Holmes versus Arsène Lupin novels. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> or serials or fanfic. 
so so old uh, here's the actual story here's how the story goes and i find it endlessly funny so we're telling it now so uh uh, the writer of the first uh arsene lepon um you said his name already it's already left my brain maurice leblanc leblanc uh was like i have the world's most famous phantom thief i have this character everyone loves and he's french and he's great but he's a thief here sir conan arthur arthur doyle you have the world's greatest detective. Everyone loves him. You're English. It's great. France versus England. Detective versus thief. It's perfect. It will make us so much money. And Doyle said no. Because Doyle hated Sherlock. <laughs> Doyle yeah. hated everything that would make Sherlock more possible, more popular. Yeah. And he knew this crossover, like LeBlanc said, would make him more popular. He could not have that. Would yeah. not want it. He tried so hard not to. He tried so hard to kill Sherlock off. <laughs> He did kill Sherlock off, and it didn't stick. And it yeah. didn't stick. But, I hate my so LeBlanc son, said, and I want to see him fail. <laughs> so LeBlanc said, great, and then he hastily hid the manuscript he already wrote <laughs> and changed the names, changed every mention of Sherlock Holmes to Herlock Sholmes. <laughs> I'm not even kidding oh. or exaggerating. That is actually his name and the actual yep. name they put on the title of the series are Sen Lupin versus Herlock Sholmes. <laughs> it's real good. Petty. It's petty. So it's petty, technically legally distinct. Technically. Yeah. And I wanna and I wanna say it's the beginning of the um it's one of the earliest known examples, at least that I can think of, of the uh, blatant uh, rip-off character in modern fiction. Yeah. yeah. Mm, love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And that's that crossover. But yes, the original Arsene Lupin is the original Phantom Thief. That's why a lot of the things he did are things you'll see referenced every time a, th- a character's a Phantom Thief. The cool cane, the cape, the top hat, and the monocle... The yeah. being a gentleman, seducing women, stealing value, jewelry, leaving, flying out windows, leaving, leaving calling, calling cards. cards. Yeah. He did it all, and he looked great doing it. And a lot of it also goes into, like, spy fiction and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, a lot sure. of anything where a character relies on subtlety and guile all takes from Lupin. And or so, Lupin the Third. Is his grandson. This changes throughout the series for mostly because the timing only works in the early series. Mm. But in both the movies we're doing today, they go with the original backstory from Green Jacket. That he is, in fact, the blood-related grandson of Arsene Lupin I. By the time you get to the Blue Jacket series, the ones that have come out most recently, they realize that that physically doesn't work with the timeline the timeline doesn't track so they've spun a new version of his backstory where he is taking it on as a title the third uh, person to wear the title of arsene lupin i now, see kp for the audience do you want to explain the jacket thing okay so there it's a lot like the series is chain uh, how do i want to it is grouped into parts like you would a jojo um or like the generations of Pokemon. These are mostly related to the season of the of the show. I say mostly because they decided to make the two Blue Jacket series two different parts instead of the same part. 
because they ran as two different seasons. And for the most part, the parts were a season of the show. Hmm. The exception being Red and Pink Jacket, but that's because that, those were created during a period of time in television when you would do a season that was like really more like two or three seasons of like 50 episodes that you would run reruns constantly exactly it 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 was it it was a system where the networks just wanted to have enough to serialize to get the show serialized to get serialization right so they could run it daily give me an give me a y give me an n syndication yes and so that's the easiest way for fans to group these parts together, because they have very different tones, very different, um, sometimes different voice casts in Japanese. English has been pretty much the same voice cast for over a decade. Yeah. But um, not in this, not in Cagliostro, show, but in the first we have the what's become the standards for their voices. Yeah. Um, but the the easiest way fans have found to discuss it is instead of saying season, year, whatever group it by the color of his jacket for that season so green jacket is everything every every episode of the very first season the original run of the show it's the shortest jacket but it has some of the most iconic bullshit in it yeah um literally the first 10 or so episodes are what i always show people lupin first unless i have some reason i can't get them to commit to that many episodes of a 60s cartoon because it has um, some of the most iconic bits, like the racetrack episodes, the very first episode. You have Pykele, who's one of the be- great villains of Green Jacket. You that have shit, um, that shit was so wild. <laughs> you have um, the the entirety of meeting Goemon. His entire origin story of how Lu- Lupin and Goemon met was in Green Jacket. They've retconned it later, hmm. which is important because you. This is a series that doesn't really care about its continuity. Yeah. It's constantly revamping its origin story because it knows it doesn't matter. Also, continuity didn't really matter in television. I say that, but there were series that were caring about it. Just they were in the minority. It wasn't really till the 90s that you started to see people care about continuity, more or less. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Lupin there are hasn't exceptions, ever... But- it, Lupin only cares about continuity within a movie or season. Yeah. But the easiest way to refer to that's why that's another reason why the jackets are useful is that they help us keep in mind which Lupin is this. The movies are outside of the jacket thing, but you might refer to it as coming from the era of that jacket, even if the jacket color doesn't match. So Cagliostro, even though Lupin's wearing a green jacket, came out during the red jacket period. Mm, because yeah. the, it was running pretty much concurrently with Red Jacket, when the part two, when he was wearing a red jacket. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I don't know how you feel, KB, but I want to mm-hmm. say that for the majority of people, the Red Jacket is the most iconic one for a lot of yes, people. Yes, because Green Jacket, uh, while it aired around the same time as like Scooby-Doo, and that's like Scooby-Doo, Lupin has just lasted forever. By the way, since I've already mentioned this now, and I'm going to forget this later, I want Scooby-Doo and Lupin to cross over. That someone, would be anyone listening, some anyone listening to to this podcast, make it happen. Let's see who's really behind this. Lupin the third. <laughs> that can't be Lupin because I'm Lupin, and he falls down from the rafters. Anyway, yeah. 
Uh, that, the the that, other jackets, because I might mention them later. Okay. Green Jacket was the very first one. It's known as being, at least for the first five-ish episodes, it had some wild bullshit, but tried to keep the supernatural out of it. Everything was somehow related to science, even if it was 60s science fiction mumbo-jumbo. Mm. There was a time travel episode, but it was explicitly a time machine from the future. Supernatural mm. stuff was out of it. Red Jacket, you could throw that all out the window. Okay. You, could, you could have ghosts. He had a red jacket this season. It was the longest running of the of the Lupin parts, um, which is why it's part of why it's iconic. And the tone could shift wildly from episode to episode. You had some that were purely gag episodes. You had some that played out more like a green jacket episode where it was, took itself seriously. Um, and then you had the episode where they tried to catch the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> yeah, it was more like a Western cartoon in that it... It was just all over the place. It was episodic. But it, yeah, yeah. But it had a lot of iconic bits in it, and because it ran so long, um, a lot of people got, watched that dub at some point or another, or like in their specific languages. Especially yeah. because like Italy specifically loves Lupin. That's <laughs> can't get enough of Lupin. Between the Fiats and or the Fiat, I, I don't know how to pronounce that car. Between the, the Fiat and. Just Lupin and Jigen's whole demeanor and Fujiko, it it's right up there. Like, I, I have a feeling we would, before a uh, Lupin and Scooby-Doo crossover, we'd see a, a Lupin and Danger Diabolic crossover. Probably. But I, the Italian thing is getting important just a second as I finish the jacket thing. Hmm. Pink, pink jacket was the 80s. Red Jacket was mostly late 70s. Then you got into mid 80s. Pink Jacket. Pink Jacket had the least consistent animation. It had the wackiest plots. It never took itself seriously. Do, do you but think... it had a lot of charm for okay. a lot of people. Do you think... Because it, it's part of the connected series, right? It's not its own thing. It's, it's just a continuation um, of the episodic thing, right? It's still episodic, but it's its own... Because it, it, it came out at its own... Um, time period. Okay. It was disconnected. The art style was, even though I say it was inconsistently in, in its art style, it was a dis. It when it, it was consistently tried to hit an art style. It was very different from Red or Green Jacket. Got it. Yeah. Um, and it again, it just was its own part because it was 1984 uh, through uh, 85. Okay, was when those episodes were made. And it was shorter than Red Jacket. Okay. Still meant to be syndicated. And I want to say this is the one that a lot of people, specifically in Italy, would remember. Because mm. I know that's uh, what our friend, what my friend on Tumblr, Fran, remembers is, because she's from Italy, this is the season she remembers. Got it. Is Pink Jacket. Okay. Again, it's genuinely, generally considered to be the weakest because it's got whack art style and, like, the plots are wacky, wackier. Mm. But... People still swear. Some people still swear by it. Okay. So and then we get to the ones that came out most recently. Basically, for the entirety of of the nineties and thousands, it was just movie releases for Lupin. No new episodes until we hit part four, the start of Blue Jacket. Hmm. Um, A couple. Of this OVAs was the part where they. Too. Yeah. OVAs, yeah. But I, I, in my brain, those are also movies. Okay, got it. Sorry. No, that's fair. That that was me. Um, 
Well, we got two seasons. One's not officially a part. We got uh, the woman called Fujiko Mine. I have genuine issues with the woman called Fujiko Mine. Like, it's genuinely problematic with some of its um, choices of villains. Hmm. Um, But the art style is really iconic. If you've ever seen that gif of Fujiko taking a hit on a bong, it's from this. Okay. Um... That makes our friend Kaylee really mad because she's hitting it wrong. <laughs> um, it's just like through the little part or something. Uh, I forgot exactly what her issue with it was, and I don't want to look it up again. But okay. mm-hmm. it, it's got a very. If you've ever seen, um, yeah, uh, if you've ever seen art from the woman called Fujiko Mine you would recognize it why it's its own part like its whole thing it's got a very sketchy distinct I, I, i've seen stills from it it has it mm-hmm. it's very style lupon the third is already very stylized in that it's like very mm-hmm. 60s anime but even compared to mm-hmm. other 60s anime it's like super like rubbery you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. and then fujiko mine is just her i'm sorry a woman the woman called Fujiko Mine is its completely own style that's like yeah, split off from the main Lupin style, but you can kind of see the mm-hmm. threads. A lot of cross, a lot of hatching for shading, a lot of patterns in the background, sketchy but outlines. very indistinct, very yeah. sketchy outlines, thick blacks, deep blacks. Um, it looks a lot more visually interesting to me than mm-hmm. I'm sure it is actually interesting. Some people swear by it because apparently the plot's really good. Ah, okay. But the... Uh, I'll, I'll just put put it this way. The villain of Fuji, the woman called Fujiko Mine um, is someone named Oliver who... Lieutenant Oscar, sorry. Lieutenant Oscar, who has is genuinely just bad from a, how he demonizes gay and trans people. Because uh, he's, I, spoil. I don't know if this is spoilers or not. Because I, I haven't seen it for exactly this reason. Mm. Is he's got, he started as having an androgynous appearance. Was an orphan Zenigata took in and became his assistant at the police off, off thing, and he has a crush on Zenigata, and also views Fujiko Mine as his faded rival the way Zenigata treats Lupin mm-hmm. and the way he gets close to try and kill slash catch Fujiko is by cross-dressing Ooh. and crosses lines Zenigata would never because Oscar's a bad person mm-hmm. is the other part of why he's problematic mm. yeah it's not great it's why I just can't find it in me to actually watch the show yeah. and, and it also has a yeah, and it's got some other things in it, but like that's the thing. Blue Jacket, on the other hand, is good. Both Blue seasons of Blue Jacket. We have season the Ita- Italy thing comes back now because part four is called the Italian Adventure. They are paying homage to how much Italy loves Lupin <laughs> by a whole season themed around Italy. Nice, specifically around the city of San Marino. Lupin gets married episode one, and it's a wild ride. Since we meet new main character Rebecca Rossellini. Um, we have an adventure around Italy. It's the first time plot has mattered to the whole overall season. There's an evil clone of Leonardo da Vinci. Don't spoil it. 
Wow. Listen, that's wow. KP. That's barely even scratching the surface of the bullshit that happens in that part. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're right. But specific. Oh, Jess isn't gonna watch this anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, because Blake and I want to show uh, her part four as her next Lupin thing. Mm. Um, and finally, part five, most recent airing, most recent TV show. It aired 2018. Um, and then it uh. It's also got a dub uh, dubbed in for Southeast Asia, or a recent occasion for Southeast Asia in 2019 on Animax. Um, it's another series that cared a lot about its overall plot, but in chunks. Um, and it had episodic parts here and there because it was an anniversary season. Hmm. So it had, like, episodes that, like, here's an homage to Pink Jacket. Here's an episode that's referencing Red Jacket. Here's uh. a new episode of Green Jacket, basically. Um, but overall, it's still considered a Blue Jacket series. Yeah. It introduces a character that is maybe my favorite Lupin character. And it was created with the intent of being a recurring Lupin character from now on. Because oh, Monkey, yeah. Pu- They had Monkey Punch come in uh, to consult and they were like we want to make this fresh and we want to create something new as a new spin that will become a part of the Lupin mythology forever yeah that was Albert Albert Dondrecy who is um a terrible person but that doesn't necessarily make you cancelable in Lupin because the entire cast is horrible people um but he is uh, a fun way he is a member of uh, France's Central Directorate of Judicial Police. He is also a thief. Was a thief. Lupin's mm. uh, first partner in crime. MKP. Mm-hmm. Not to interrupt your train of thought, but we're 20 I minutes get in. To the we, last have, point about... we, we have not talked about Kegler for the past 20 minutes. I have <laughs> one more thing about Albert. The reason why I love him. He is the first canonically gay character in Lupin who is not treated as a joke. Alright. Like, genuinely, right. we meet his partner, it's not a joke, and there were a couple characters that were either cross-dressers or homosexual that were, like, villains throughout the series. He's kind of a villain, but it's the first time it, it's felt, like, well-handled. Hmm. Now. Anyway. Alright, Cagliostro. Cagliostro. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I love Cagliostro, show, but I w- genuinely, even though like it's a lot of people's favorite Lupin, it's a lot of people's first Lupins. It is, in my opinion, the weakest Lupin movie. Hmm. Yeah. The the the. Dude no, with... I can't say that. Actually, there are weaker Lupin movies. It is of the of the ones I think are good Lupin movies. This is on the weaker end. I'll put I'm it that gonna, way. I'm going to get my problems with this movie out of the way so I can talk about the good shit. Okay. My couple, mm-hmm. at, least, at least as a first Lupin movie, number one, mm-hmm. this is a bad showing for Goemon, Jigen, and Fujiko. They don't get to do a whole lot in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Of them, Jigen gets the most purely because he's here to be, if we're talking like narrat- like um, big English uh, student analysis, he is here to be the emotional grounding point for Lupin. Yeah. He is here to be Lupin's connection to his current life versus Clarice being his past hmm. before the, he met Jigen. The other thing that I would say that isn't good for a first time as a Lupin watcher is that 
Lupin himself is the softest and nicest he's ever been in anything ever in this movie. And to be fair, he's had some soft moments in other movies. Hell, even in uh, the first, he had some. Yeah, soft Yeah, I was moments. gonna say he's pretty damn soft. And like, I watched these literally he back to back, is, same night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's has moments of softness in the first, but like he is especially soft and like um, principled in Cagliostro. Yeah, in a way that he really hadn't been beforehand and wasn't uh, afterwards. Yeah. That that's Miyazaki. Yeah, that I was yeah. gonna say. That's probably why. That that's straight up mm-hmm. how. Miyazaki characters are yeah they're, they're gallant or they're pleasant um yeah I and should say this is the Miyazaki... first Miyazaki film I've seen start to finish what yeah I've seen bits and pieces of Miyazaki films like I've caught parts on TV uh but this is my first start to finish Miyazaki film Laser. Anyway, I'm just going to pencil myself in for when you do Kiki's delivery service. Now, no, Laser, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. say this a lot. I say this yeah. a lot around you, just in drive. So this a lot on the podcast. I said this a lot you as a friend. Yeah. For many, for as long as I've known each other. When I say this now, I say it with the most sincerity I've ever said it in my entire life. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see, the thing is, I think I've said this to you before. I might have. I just might have forgotten. Yeah, I I know. I've definitely had that. I've never really watched Miyazaki stuff before. Well, because uh, we have definitely a had month. we definitely had moments where we were like, all right, when are we going to do a Miyazaki thing? I was like, I've never really watched Miyazaki, uh, but I really want to see Nausicaa. Uh, we've we've had those conversations before, but it it's such a like a one of the it, it's one of those things like. Everyone's seen a Miyazaki film. Everyone who likes animation has seen a Miyazaki film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they were, haven't sat down to do it. Yeah, they were getting theatrical releases in a period of time where I was not going to the movies. Because my parents yeah. didn't want to take me to the movies. Because all the movie theaters near us were in malls. And they didn't want to go to the mall. Um, enough. And No, that's fair enough. And it was yeah. all, and they were getting televised in a time where I wasn't really watching a lot of TV because my dad's dementia was getting real bad, and he was taking all the time watching TV. Uh, that's all he did all day because uh, he like could barely walk. Um, so I was not watching a lot of TV when those were on. So I, so I caught bits and pieces here, and there. I remember I the most of another one I've seen is Kiki's Delivery Service when it, it either aired on Cartoon Network or HBO or Disney Channel. Could be any of those, but I saw. The most of that one. Um, well, we'll have to, we'll have to, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know what? That just means you'll be coming in with fresh. a fresh take. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be an interesting conversation for someone who has seen them many of them multiple times, and someone who is seeing them for the first time. But anyway. Yeah, but I do have preconceived notions of Miyazaki, and yes. I, I know a... enough about him to see his touch on this. And I know enough about... Lup- Lupin's also a series that I haven't done... I was telling KP earlier before you got on the chat. Um, I read two or three volumes of the manga, and I've seen a couple episodes of the dub that aired on Adult Swim. And the uh, uh, crossover OVA with Detective Conan. So I kind of know what Lupin's supposed to be, and I can tell this is Miyazaki's Lupin. This is not... 
Yes. Monkey exactly. punches Lupin. Um, and those are like the two criticisms I would laud at this film for, at least in the terms of it, if you want it to be your first Lupin thing, I wouldn't. It's not a good representation of the product. It is a good movie. Yeah. However, it's a good movie, and like, I, I think on the lines of like Lupin being soft, Fujiko was a very different character in this. Yeah. yeah. Because because Miyazaki obviously wasn't comfortable showing her as the femme fatale she normally is. Instead, made her an action girl, which, yeah. given that, would have saw a lot of the plot didn't want or need someone going full front with grenades all the time (laughs) it didn't give her a lot to do yeah like she was still a master of disguise thief but like because the way she normally does her interacts with the world around her as being a femme fatale it meant we had to focus on her actiony spy type shenanigans Which... which gave her just little to do direct it is still cool every time fujiko does get to go gung-ho action girl though always yes and like to be fair she had a better showing than goemon did goemon has the worst showing in this movie jigen got to do things goemon barely got to do fucking anything in this movie and i'm sad because goemon is my favorite of the lupin gang he just kind of said to be fair Goemon has, yeah, Goemon has better movies. Goemon has movies Goemon that has are made f- to show him off. Yeah, there are mov- Goemon and Jigen both have at least one movie for themselves. They they were that was during the uh, woman called Fujiko Mine sh- uh, run, but it's not disconnected movies. from the show itself. It's disconnected from the show, so like I, we can still recommend the movies. I will say, I think if there's any Lupin character who could support their own show, it is. Um... Goemon. Would you go? Oh, okay. Um, I think they all could. It's just Jigen's the weakest in, on that front just because of how much him being loyal to Lupin is part of his character. Yeah. Although um, you could do, you could, you could deconstruct that in, in an interesting way, I feel. You I, could. You definitely could. I, okay. Okay. Here's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Fujiko. Mm-hmm. She did support her own show. Mm-hmm. Even if it had its own issues, that's not the fault of her as a character. Yeah, that that's mm-hmm. shitty writers. Um, uh, but I I just feel like okay, this isn't quite a fair statement because again, of the three of us here, I have the least experience with Lupin. Mm-hmm. I don't even really remember him showing up in the first three volumes of the manga all that much. He probably he might not have in the manga. Yeah, he, I I remember seeing. You might have been too young for this, KP. But Kai, in mm-hmm. the early aughts, mm-hmm. did you ever just like sit on the internet, nothing really to do, so you just Google image searched stuff? Oh yeah, I did that with DeviantArt all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I I would just be like, "What's the anime I want to learn? I want to see pictures of today." And I w- I would just do that with uh, Lupin. Like I would just I Lupin the Third. Am not so young that I didn't do this. Oh, okay. but also I might have just had internet too early. <laughs> I might have just had unfettered access to the internet at way too early an age, which explains a lot about who I am as a person. Yeah, I 
same. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Nine years old for me. Uh, uh, but but yeah, but my point is like, I knew who all the characters in Lupin were, and I, just, I feel like Goman was the character who had the least in my limited knowledge of Lupin. So that means he has the most room for growth, which means he has the most ability to support a show because he has the most, Yeah, he has more room to add stuff to him, you know? Yeah, we we don't get either of Jigen or, we get goal, we get one of Jigen's defining character traits in this, uh, which is his loyalty to Lupin, but mm-hmm. the others, we don't get a lot of his other stuff, like the fact that him and Lupin are, they, they're basically married. Yeah. They're yeah. basically married. Or the fact that Jigen and Fujiko hate each other's guts. They hate each other so much, which doesn't come up a lot in either of these movies, unfortunately. It's unfortunate. It comes up a lot in the series themselves. My Whenever Fujiko is... shows up, Jigen my is always jo- pissed. Yeah. My joke is always that uh, Jigen and Fujiko are uh, MLM WLW hostility. <laughs> Basically. Jigen is very gay, and any series that tries to tell you otherwise is incorrect. Fujiko's canonically by one of the few good things to come out of a woman named Fujiko. Hmm. Um, and the two of them hate each other so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we and we don't get go the two of we we get it we don't get it in this movie. Goemon's two of Goemon's defining traits are his lack of what's the word. Knowing how to use technology. He's an old man, but he's, he's also a young man. He's an old he's man. Also he's, baby. Also, he's also baby. <laughs> he, he, he actively, he's basically the Japanese equivalent of an Amish person. Yeah. <laughs> he, <sighs> and one of his other things is he's, he's like Fujiko, not always around for Lupin Heist because mm. he's off doing his own criminal, criminal ex- exploits because he's an assassin. Yeah, he's the world's greatest assassin. That's why he's not. Why he had to show up later than Jigen in every movie, really. No, not every movie, but most movies, because he's usually off doing his own thing. Um, and this comes back a a lot, actually. But in part four, five, one of the Blue Jackets, we have a whole episode without Lupin in it. (laughs) That's just Goemon dealing with the fallout of one of his uh assassin contract. Jeez. Yep. Um which but... is more proof he could support his own series, but like Yeah. Now this as for the other characters, this is a good showing for Zenigata, but Zenigata doesn't have a single I haven't seen a thing with Zenigata that didn't show off who he is as a character. <laughs> the thing with Zenigata and the thing with Zenigata that's kind of done really shown off with these two movies in particular is he is either incredibly competent the only reason he hasn't caught lupin is lupin is better or the world's greatest idiot (laughs) or both (laughs) or sometimes he is both and i think castle cagliostro manages to do both because he's not an idiot so much as he is naive Mm. he truly believes in this is something you find a lot in his better episodes in green jacket where he knows Lupin inside and out, and he believes sincerely in what he's doing and keep making the world a better place. 
That's why he's with Interpol, is he believes in the law making the world a better place. And he's so naive in believing that he, that he has blinded himself to the fact that the police itself is not, and governments are not exactly the greatest things in the world. Yeah. Yep. And he's blinded himself to the fact that Lupin can do a lot of good because he's unrestrained. Yep. Yeah. The 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 only the thing the other thing about this movie that's kind of weak is that like the count isn't really that interesting <laughs> of a villain. He has he has a, he has he has style, but he's not that interesting. No substance. No substance. He's he's cart- Interestingly, he's also based on an old novel. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, the, the, I'm pretty sure there's a movie called The Count of Cagliostro. Really? Uh, I'm gonna look that up real quick. Do, I want to confirm that, but I'm like ninety percent sure of that. Hmm, that's interesting. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, but he, he has style. I like his dumb m- night ninjas with the claws. It was a movie from 1920. It's an Austrian silent horror film. Ah, it's the life of 18th century Italian mesmerist and occultist Alessandro Cagliostro. Ah, okay, here we go. An adventurer and self-styled magician. It, it's also a Tolstoy story. Oh. Uh, Alexei Tolstoy. Uh, oh. uh, let's see. Uh, Count Cagliostro, Moonlit Tales of the Macabre. Uh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. But it might be a tangential reference more than anything, because the word, the country yeah. and concept of the country of Cagliostro shows up in Blue Jacket again as a throwaway reference that wasn't intended to be the same. To, to mm. be read as anything more than a name drop. Mm-hmm. And it. then in part five, it did show up as an actual place, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> it actually shows up but, in a lot of other... There's also an opera uh, no. called Graf Cagliostro. It, I think it's just a common uh, fictional uh, nation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I like about this movie a lot is that... There's you literally watch Lupin. He's Lupin looks. He 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 he's having a conversation and he looks and he sees the romantic subplot coming a mile away and shoots it dead. <laughs> he he genuinely thinks of Clarice like as an as of himself as like an older brother figure and Clarice on her end is like this is the man who saved my life twice. Yeah. That is the other thing that's consistent with Lupin as a character. He will drop everything to help a lady in need. It's like his only recurring noble trait. Yeah, he... he, In that respect, he is gallant, and he definitely has lust for Fujiko, because that's the one thing I do remember (laughs) from the manga. Fujikakes. Um, Yeah. Uh, But it seems like... He does the same thing in both of these movies, where it's like, the woman is interested in him he's like this ain't this ain't gonna happen this ain't you, you don't want you you don't want this and to be fair that's knows. a thing that happens yeah. with because it's literally just because they're too young in both cases yeah like in this movie we also see him hit on that waitress who wasn't too young that's true she was also like in her 20s he's, he's horny but he's horny responsibly yeah he looks because like he's like 30 ish in this movie and he's like you're like 18. This isn't happening. Yeah. 
I come, think come yeah. back to come back to me in like five years. And even then, probably not. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I met you when you were eight. There's a thing. There's another. This happens again in Blue Jacket too. With a character who's even younger, and he's like, "I adopted no. you." You're like fourteen. <laughs> he's like, "Like, listen, you're fourteen. You're so young. You have so much to experience in the world. Don't fall for a, a also, fucking Also, I'm like your dad. I'm like your dad. Don't fall for. Don't let your first crush be a scumbag like me. Basically. Also, I'm like your dad. Very important. Yeah. Yep. And to be fair, again, it was another girl that he saved because he loves he saving the girl. He loves being the knight that saves the girl from the tower. It, it's the gentleman yeah. part of Gentleman Thief. Yeah. Yeah. The, and KP pointed this out when we were watching the movie, but this movie is, like, super influential. Okay, so like, this is the thing that I wanted to bring up because it makes everything come full circle when we get to um uh the first. Right. Res the first, yes. This is the movie that inspired Raiders of the Lost Ark. Holy shit. The Castle Cagayo show was cited as an inf- by Spielberg and Lucas as one of their primary inspirations for Raiders of the Lost Ark and all of Indiana Jones. Holy fuck. And that's... Mm. Um, and that comes full circle because the yes. first just feels like an Indiana Jones movie. The Jones first movie. is just an... Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to the first in a minute, but, like, that's that's why. It's cited as one of the, like, one of their main influences. I can't say it's... I can't say definitively it was the main one. I can't say definitively it was the earliest or the, their first influence. It's a, big, out. It, it's a big part it was of a, it, though. It was a big part of it because, like, the, the treasure hunting, the, like, big adventure, the tone... Oh, the yeah. car chases, the protagonist, um, yep. the goofy side characters. Yeah, it's all from this movie. Yeah, and also this movie also inspired the Great Mouse Detective. The fight in the clock tower with yeah, uh, uh, oh. Radigan is just yeah. straight up a giant reference to the fight with the Count. Holy! And, and for clock, another clock yeah. thing in the Batman animated series, the fight with the clock king, with the clock king, also yeah. referenced this movie. Yeah, and also uh, Gary Truesdale, the co-director of Atlantis: Lost Empire, admitted that the scene at the end of Atlantis, where all the waters recede from the sunken city, was directly inspired from the ending of this movie. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, to put it lightly, this movie is very influential. It's super it's, important. It makes because sense if why you think about how the tour de force that he is. Mm-hmm. And if you think and the fact that it's inspired Indiana Jones kind of by extension makes it even more influential because of how much Indiana Jones affected every action movie afterwards. Yeah. And much. video games afterwards. I I would say Indiana Jones owes equal parts to Lupin to this, but and also the the pulp series, uh, yeah, the definitely. Series. The, oh yeah, yeah, totally. It's definitely, but like the, that still means like there's a level of influence here. I think is very important to remember, Absolutely. and why I still think this is very important to watch as a Lupin fan. Yeah, even if I don't think it's the best Lupin movie, I still think it's important to watch for the history alone and the fact that it's also just a good movie. It is historically significant. Significant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not just to Lupin, but like to animation and film as a whole. Mm-hmm. There, there's uh, something I'd like to ask, um, mm-hmm. and this is a common thread between the two movies. It is that it's different voice. I know 
Lupin is voiced by different people in these two movies. Uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, Bob Bergen in the the, the streamline, yeah. and it's uh, Tony Oliver. Yes. Yeah, in the first. Um, but Jig is Jigen the same? Yeah. No. No, he's not. He's not the same. He's Richard Epcar in the 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 first and all other things, and I forget. And he's Steve him. Kramer in Streamline. Yeah. So and and the manga entertainment for the for the reader, if you uh not reader listener, if you saw that version, that was uh Michael Gregor. Okay, but between the two versions we watched, so did they independently come to the conclusion we should just do a Humphrey Bogart imitation? <laughs> Probably. Probably. Okay. Cause I... But also, it's possible that Epcar was influenced by earlier takes on mm. Jigen. Okay. Like, I, I can't speak for for him, but, like, it's possible it's either they came to it independently or he was inspired by the previous versions, or they just both looked at Jigen and said, yeah, that's the voice he would make. Yeah, they Basically. both talk like this. Yeah. What do you mean, Lupin? We've got a... What do you mean? What do you mean, Lupin? Yeah. Yeah. Wolf. Also, boss. What oh, are you doing? <laughs> the oh, other yeah, thing. That's the weird so thing. this movie, yeah. if you see the streamlined dub like we did, because it was an early dub, this was like one of the earliest Lupin dubs that that happened ever. Yeah. I don't know if it was the very first, but it was one of the earliest. Yeah. So they weren't quite sure how they wanted to to localize Lupin the Third, and so this movie they did they um, decided to translate his code name into english from french yeah so lupon translates to wolf so he's called the wolf and they use it as a reference to him in terms of his as if it's a code name and i i can never pay enough attention during the movie to figure out if they ever use the name lupin uh, i think they do mm, i, I can't like, guarantee though i don't think they do there's one part where someone starts saying luke uh, but that's it. I do remember mm, okay. that. I do remember someone starts going loop, and then cuts off and is like, mm. Mm. But like they tried localizing his name as the wolf because I think I think their guess was they weren't sure the American audience would catch who Arsène Lupin was, and so it was yeah. to them. Lo- calling it Castle Cagliostro, taking off Lupin the Third, and giving him the code name the Wolf as a thief name. That was how they decided to localize it. It's not a choice I agree with, but that's what happens in this movie, and that's why if you watch it, that's why they call him the Wolf. Yeah, it's also not like the worst decision in the world because, like, mm-hmm. honestly, it does kind of work well on its own. The yeah. story. Uh, yeah. they, they do a good job establishing, like what these people's deal is. I think you know, like you mm-hmm. don't. This these two are thieves. They've got a friend who's a, a swordsman. There's a princess. There's another thief lady. There's an evil count. Would you go and go on do kind of come out of nowhere if you do. don't know who yeah. they are? Yeah, yeah, but they also like, don't do enough weren't... that it's like you, you're like. What's their deal? It's just like, oh, okay, they know. Fujiko did kind of need here, need to be here for the movie to to work. Yeah. Goemon didn't. Goemon yeah. could have been cut from the movie entirely. Unfortunately, yeah, he's it's, here it purely because it is a Lupin movie. Yeah. So, like, if you're watching this movie, don't know anything about Lupin, you'd be forgiven for asking, 
Why is he here? <laughs> He's he has much better showings than other things. For sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially and... like you know, like I think Red Jacket does a good job of establishing all of them in there like early on. Personally, hmm. I I like Green Jacket's way it established everyone because like Episode One does the perfect job of establishing who Fujiko is. Yeah, because like it has her as, a, as the damsel in distress for a minute. Then she gets out. Then she immediately, despite being just being saved by Lupin, double crosses him and Jigen. <laughs> That's oh, episode one, Fujiko Mine. You know what was a character trait? It's not really a character trait, but it's a thing with Jigen that happens to him constantly that we didn't mention. What? It's terrible luck with dentists. <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing that doesn't come up in either movie, but has come up in every season. Of course. Every time Jigen goes to the dentist, someone tries to kill him. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Every time. He, in the first episode of Red Jacket, he's like, oh man, I got a fucking toothache. And there's a dentist on the ship. And then he's like, he's like in line to go to the dentist. And the mm-hmm, dentist mm-hmm. is like an assassin for Scorpion, which is an evil organization from Green Jacket. And then yeah, this, yeah, guy, yeah. This, this other guy comes in and is like, no, I need this dentist way more than you do. Pushes Jigen out of the way and gets into the chair. And then the drill pops open and a snake comes out and bites the guy. <laughs> I remember us watching that episode now. Yeah. Um. That whole episode was Scorpion going, hey, I want, I want to kill the Lupin gang. Oh my! And this this happens in pretty much every series of Lupin. It didn't happen in part four. Uh, wait, no, I'm trying to remember if it was a part four or part. No, it was a part four episode. It it did where he goes to the dentist because he, he's like, I have a toothache, Lupin. I'm taking the day off to go to the dentist. <laughs> goes to the dentist, has his gun confiscated. And we find out the entire town has their guns confiscated because of a gang that doesn't kill people, but does permanently paralyze them. Yeah. Okay. Basically, Jigen, every time Jigen goes to the dentist, something bad happens. Now I kind of just... And then he killed all the, all the people in that gang without using a gun. Or touching Impressive. them. Impressive. I, uh, now sick. I kind of want to write a fan fiction that's just like... Jigen finally gets his teeth cleaned. <laughs> Nothing happens. It's and... just like... Yeah. He just has a normal dentist visit. <laughs> For once. Yeah, you know, like maybe, you know, like... You know, sometimes you come back from the dentist and like a couple, for a couple days your gums are a little sore. Mm-hmm. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that. <laughs> but can you blame him? He hasn't had a good dentist visit in 50-odd years. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Uh, he must have horrible gingivitis, even if he brushes every day. Yeah. Uh. I think that's all I have to say about Kagoyoshi specifically, though. I think the thing I wanted to say, um, we mentioned that it seems like a Miyazaki movie. I, It really does a good job, and you notice this real early on. It will take long moments of time to just give you the vibe. The, the current stop, vibe. The establishing shots. Yeah, there's a lot of establishing shots. There's a lot of establishing shots. There's a lot of, like, Lupin and Jigen just, like, walking around. There's that shot of them real early on where they're just, like, driving through the countryside. They get a flat tire. Yeah. And Jigen gets out to fix it. And there's just two solid seconds. Nothing going on. No music. And you're just watching the countryside. 
Yeah. It's a very peaceful moment to give you the vibe of nothing's happening before they get into a car chase. But it's like very Miyazaki in the, we have a beautiful landscape for you. This is where everything's taking place. Because they do that multiple times throughout the story. It's like, here's the um, castle, the, the previous castle. Here's like the ruins. Here's the current castle, the like um, dungeon. Yeah, that that's definitely one of Miyazaki's uh, calling cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in that way, this can f- this feels like a blueprint for his other movies. In that this is oh, yeah. the establishing shots and like the tone, the pacing, very Miyazaki. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is definitely him. You you see the the Miyazaki isms in this film. Mm-hmm. I would be interested in going a little further back and seeing the television stuff he directed to see if it's mm-hmm. also present in that. To see if it's just not that this is like a blueprint, but like this is just him. This is yeah. just what he likes in animation. I, I'm sure it is that, but I meant more for like this being his directorial debut. He had a True. style this early. He knew yeah. what he wanted. He had the vision. And he's good enough as a director and an animator to, like, see it through. True. Yeah. Yeah. Even this early on, he did. And I think that's... I wanted to point that out to, like... Because it's important to how this movie is. Yep. For sure. The, speaking of Miyazaki-isms, though, we haven't even mentioned the autogyro. Yeah. Yeah, that is straight up... Ag- aggressively Miyazaki. Yeah, it... it, it... In equal parts, looks like it could have come from Porco Rosso or Nausicaa, or or it, it even looks like it could have mm. been something out of one of those like fantasy scenes in uh, Keep Your Hands Off Izoken. I could have seen it from um, if you told me it was from Castle in the Sky, I would have believed you. Mm. Or Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. Or Howl's Moving Castle, or it could have been um, what was the other one I was thinking of? I already lost it. The Wind Rises. Yeah, or it looks a lot like um, Tanbo's uh, plane in Kiki. Yep. Miyazaki likes airplanes and vehicles that fly. Yeah. And this is just him going, I want to give the villain a cool flying machine. It's like how Toriyama really likes robots. Yeah. Okay. That's Cagliostro. Uh, that, that was really nice. Um... <laughs> We're going to take another short break, and upon our return, let's get into uh, Lupin the Third, the first. See you then. Now, back to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. On Acme Podcasts Incorporated. And welcome back for the second to last time this episode. Had to had to think about that for a second. <laughs> uh, we are getting into Lupin the Third, the first. We watched the English dub again uh, because I am I, I like dubs. I, I just I do. But also, the English dub for Lupin the Third has been consistently good for 
like a, a while. over a decade now. With with this cast specifically, yes, it's been good. Tony Oliver is Arsene Lupin. Richard Epcar is Daisuke Jigen. Lex Lang is Goemon Ishikawa the Thirteenth. Michelle Ruff is Fujiko Mine. Doug Airholtz is as Inspector Koichi Zanagata. Already, this um, cast has been Lupin for like over a decade, and they're very good at it. Okay. Uh, before we get too much further in it, just uh, directed by uh, Takashi Yamazaki, uh, uh, characters based on Monkey Punch's manga, and Takashi Yamazaki is also credited for the script, with Richard Epcar being credited for the English adaptation script. Um, hmm. uh, you've already taken care of the cast issues, so don't need to do that. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I, I, this is why I was talking about the dub in particular. This is such good... This is like DreamWorks Pixar-level CG animation. This, oh, yeah. This, this is... I'd say better. <laughs> yeah, it no, looks, I, I it, would too. It, 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 it gets a it little looks, more bold than they care to. And that's why fantastic. it's better. Fantastic. Yeah. Every there was a so there was a a post that went around for a while before this movie came out that was like you guys realize it's only going to be well animated for that car ch- chase scene right <laughs> that's because that. that's just for the trailer and no, no <laughs> this movie is start um, to finish spectacularly animated the the lighting's good the the like the way they filter the uh, models uh, I the, am I am working towards an actual point though. Okay, sorry. Uh, it's it's okay. Uh, uh, the reason the beauty of this and this the beauty of this CG animation ties into the dub is they do such a good job of making the lip flaps look like the actual mouth shapes of certain words so well that the dub words don't match up with the lip flaps and it looks off. Yeah, yeah, they try so hard. They try so hard, but and it's I think so they shouldn't hard. have tried. Is genuinely where I landed on it. Yeah, Th- this is a case where I think I would prefer subs, just because that is enough to pull me out a little bit, not to ruin the experience, but to like make it like, oh, that's not what he's actually saying. You you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's- yeah. This was a nigh impossible task. Yeah, there, there's no good solution other than subtitles in this situation, like if, or redo the animation, well, do you, the animation, just the lip the animation lip twice. Flaps. But that that's not feasible. It's not feasible, but like sometimes uh, things that do that will do. Like um, Kingdom Hearts three, famously, they redid all the lip the lip syncing. It, it's more common dub. in uh, video games. Yeah, because video games will still have the like animation like ready to re-render yeah whereas this they might not have like it might not have even been a possibility after they rendered everything pretty much yeah uh that it's it's the same because again it's 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 impossible it yeah they and they get they the thing is is that like they get it right enough times that i'm genuinely impressed yeah then the times it's real off just because there wasn't another choice you're just like Huh. It, it's really only an issue when it's like a real, like a close-up shot of a character's face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- those are the only times it comes up. Um, 
and I don't mean this as a detriment in any way, shape, or form to the movie. Because, like, uh, the I thing with the dub is... About that. The thing with the dub is these characters still knock it out of the park being their characters. Absolutely. Uh, everyone's performance is fantastic. I At least I would say everyone's performance is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a movie I would say that, while this isn't the best showing for Jigen and Goemon, this is a much better showing for the two of them than Kekulia. Especially later in this movie. Yes. I will be honest. <laughs> this is the first time I've seen uh, Goemon in anything where I thought, oh, he has a character. Yeah. That's that's Goemon's character. Yeah, Goemon is both baby and old man. Yeah. And that's his whole thing. And it's very funny every time it happens. Because this one, yeah. you can see both the I don't care, I am above all this, and then the petulant child the second he needs to put his sword down for two seconds. <laughs> also, we get one of the many quote-unquote inconsistencies with Goemon and his sword. Okay, so the thing with his sword, this is not the first time it's come up. But whether or not his sword is a Ryu Seiken, a sword made from a meteorite, it's come up before as a possible version of the backstory for Zentetsken. And in fact, in um, in the manga, in the original Monkey Punch manga, it actually was named, uh, I think it was Ryusei? I need, I need to go look it up again. Um, but like, it's showed up in a couple versions of his backstory in the band. Yeah, it was literally just called Ryusei in the original manga. And the original backstory from the manga was that it was made. It was a Ryusaken. That's the name. Mm. But other versions of the backstory for Zantetskin have existed. Specifically in Green Jacket, it was created by melting down. What were the three swords again, Joey? I know there was Muramasa. It was the it was the it was the the missing Muramasa. The Muramasa Ichimonji. Ichimonji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, Ichimonji. The... The, the missing mar- the, the mysteriously miss- miss- missing Muramasa and that's the explanation for why it's missing is because it was used to make Goemon's sword mm-hmm. um, and then I think one of the it's the Muramasa sword uh, and then what were the other two swords I forget it might have been a it was another okay was another fam- three famous myth or mythical Japanese swords it's not mentioned on the Wikipedia or uh, or the episode. So I'd have to watch the episode again, and I'm not going to do that right now. It's <laughs> the important thing. Two, three Japanese swords were taken, melted down, refor- uh, mixed together, reforged in Zantetskin. And that's our explanation for why it's so sharp it can cut through metal. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, the best sword in the world. Ryusaken, another possibility for why it can cut through metal is just it's literally from out of this world yeah i i think it does that doesn't its name also translate to like executioner's blade or something like that zentetsuken yeah that that that's what i remember slashing from, iron yeah, xxx holic oh okay it just means Sla- slashing iron sword oh okay it's also so used uh it, well that's what it translates to the zentetsuken in um uh, Final Fantasy. I don't know if they use the same kanji. I guess... I I would guess so. But I, my knowledge of Japanese is not great enough to, to double-check. All I know is uh, in XXX Holic, they're, they're, I, I own like the first three volumes of the manga because I was curious as a teenager. Um, mm. 
there, there's a scene where the the witch lady writes uh, Zentetskin on a metal bat and then cuts through like a table and a computer to prove that names are important by naming a metal bat after a sword. Hmm. Okay, yeah. yeah. So so the 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 you're right actually. The kanji oh. they use is uh the kanji for beheading and decapitation. No. Oh, okay. uh, Zen. Then tetsu means iron. So beheading iron sword. Oh, okay. Yeah, which which has been translated in some versions as uh guillotine blade, mm-hmm. guillotine sword. Mhm. Mm. Uh, I, re- I remember reading some versions of the manga where that was the translation. It, it was guillotine sword or executioner sword, mm-hmm. which is which okay. is a pretty decent translation of beheading iron sword. Yeah, yeah, that's what an executioner does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but anyway, it, this is a good showing for all, all of them. I think that this has one of Jigen's coolest moments in all of Lupin. Oh, the the car chase scene. When he shoots the screws <laughs> and unscrews yes. them with the bullets, yes, holy shit! It's oh, the most cool bullshit fuck. thing he has uh, has ever been done on screen in a Lupin <laughs> product ever, and it's just fabulous. It is. It's, it's just so realistic good. enough that you're like, it's physically possible, but not probable. But just cool enough where you're like, I don't care though. That was the, that was the first time that I ever. F- they talk about how Jigen and Goemon are like evenly skilled. I whenever, cause, but I always never. I was like, it never came off that way for me. Mm-hmm. That was the moment that I was like, no, that's true. <laughs> that's completely it, true. It's because it's because Goemon gets to be flashy. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, it, it's hard to compare those things because it, gun skill and sword skill are two different things. Yeah. And a lot of why Goemon comes off as flashy and skill does is just because he's regularly facing opponents with ranged arms. With, like, guns. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's gotta... He's gotta show off his stuff more just to to do the thing. Whereas Jigen can just shoot him. Yeah, He can just just shoot him. The wackest thing that Goemon has ever done, and it's for a gag, so I don't know how much it counts, <laughs> is there's a scene where Lupin, like Goemon is in kind of a, Kevin have a bit of a hissy fit. He's kind of angry, and Lupin tries to, like, come on, Goemon, cheer up, it's okay, buddy. And then Goemon makes, like, the, like, the anime thing of barely pulling out this. You don't see him pull out the sword, and he sheaths it, and in the backgrounds you see a shooting star being cut in half. Yeah, it's used for a gag, so I don't know how much you can count it. But now, speaking of characters getting its showings, where I don't think uh, Fujiko got the best showing in Cagliostro. Oh my god, this is Fujiko. <laughs> this uh, Fujiko yeah. at the beginning of this movie got to do her whole femme fatale routine three times, and it was the best. Yeah, this is Fujiko. She, she shows up. Steals the thing from Lupin, uh, s- dou- to double cross him and sell it to the villains. Plans to double cross the villains. Gets caught. 
then uses her femme fatale ways to get out and double cross Lupin a third time. And then at the end steals treasure because she wanted treasure and not this weird wacky weapon. (laughs) She's it's the most Fujiko and it's great. It makes up for the fact that she there was a period in the middle of the movie where she like basically anything after they enter the temple where she's just kind of here for a lot of that. Yeah. It makes up for that for the fact that she's just so good for the rest of the scene she's in. Yeah. She. she I mean, the, the, yeah. yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, I was just going to add to that by saying mm-hmm. the, the, all the characters kind of have moments where they're just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, but... I mean, to be fair, there have been moments on this podcast where I've just kind of been there. That that that's just kind of how life is, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, it it just happens with Lupin. And I notice a lot, just because like Lupin writers know every character needs to be in in a Lupin thing. They know you need Goemon in here somewhere. You need Jing in, in here somewhere. Then there are yeah. points in the things where you're like, clearly they didn't plan for these characters to be here for this bit, but they know they have to be. That's what a lot of the temple bit felt like was like Goemon in the like the eye room was of no help whatsoever. Yeah. And Fujiko didn't really have much to do in that room either. And that was Jigen's room to solve and then Lupin put the thing in. Yeah. Still love that bit with Goemon and the the room with the stars. <laughs> yeah. Like no, I'm not leaving it anywhere. <laughs> and you can't make me. I'm so sorry, old friend. I'll be back for you. <laughs> Goemon is the most baby. That's yeah. that's Goemon. That's why I like Goemon. It's that that good. was actually my big takeaway. I think I I think my big takeaway from watching the first was Goemon's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Goemon's very good. He's I love Goemon. So good. Yeah, and I think up um, this movie had the. It had a, a dip, more stupid uh, Zenigata than Cagliostro. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is goofy Zenigata. Yeah. This is... He, and he didn't really need to be hyper-competent Zenigata for this, because the whole thing is just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to catch you, Lupin. Oh, I didn't. Well, I guess I'm helping now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he he um He's a resource in this. Yeah. yeah. I liked that he got to show off his dumb lasso with the handcuffs <laughs> at the end of them trick. Yeah. I also liked how Lupin got to do his own lampshade hanging of like, I know one man who will go to literally any end of the earth to find me. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, pa. <laughs> oh, yeah. Another thing I want to point out about the dubs because this is one of the reasons I will sell the dub over the sub every time for Lupin. If you can, if it's one of the movies that has a dub where Lupin calls Fujiko Fuji cakes and Zenigata pops, you know, it's good. Okay. It's the most in character things he does. And it's my favorite every time it happens. Cause those are where pops is a real close, uh, interpret uh, to the original Japanese. Fuji cakes is purely a creation. For for yeah. the dubs, but yeah. it's it's so it's in character. In character. Yeah. it's so in character. Because it's it's just a it's just like a basic translation of how he calls her Fujiko-chan in the Japanese, but he says it in like this like ooh way, you know. 
Like so, how Majima always calls Kiryu Kiryu Chan. Yes. Kiryu Chan. Or freaking. Kiryu Chan. Or in One, or in Piece, one Piece. Sanji calls Robin and uh, Nami. Robin Schwan. Nami yeah. Schwan. You know, it, it's it's a good like they need a it's a cutesy nickname for it's them. It's flirty. It it's. And Fuji Cakes An comes off at less cutesy and well, it kind of it's mostly flirty though. It's like a, we're close. I want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they do they do the classic thing that they do on a lot of these beautiful movies where the new woman characters, Fujiko is like, "You're in love with them, aren't you? Are you? Yeah, I was once, maybe." <laughs> she. That's another thing I really like about Fujiko because this hasn't come up yet in this movie, kind of does it and kind of doesn't. Fujiko does genuinely love Lupin and will never, ever, 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 ever admit it. She would genuinely rather die. It could be admit you love Lupin or perish, and she'd be like, pull the trigger. Admit you love Lupin or draw 25 cards from the deck. She draws 50. She draws 50. <laughs> okay, let, let me. if you don't mind me being a little crass for a second... Mm-hmm. Sure. Would she first let him actually hit it, or would she first admit to actually loving him? Hmm. That's a good question. Hit it? Fujiko is the kind of person that is afraid, comes off as someone who's afraid of actual genuine attachment. She, here's the thing, she and Lupin have fucked before, and they'll fuck again. They have. Many times. It's happened. She does it sometimes genuinely, just because she wants to, and sometimes just to distract Lupin. Okay, yep. I, I only ever saw um, the Red the bits jacket. where it's like he's he's he literally jumps out of his pants and underwear is die in the the midair diving position, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. she like I don't know. I'm just going to call it double crosses him or a whatever. Boxing glove, a boxing glove comes out of her breasts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically. Basically. She's, that, yeah, that's she what does I that. Meant. It's whatever adva- is more advantageous to her in the moment. Got but it. the okay. there are few, there are a few scenes uh like there's one in Green Jacket. Episode, I think it's 2 or 3 is the episode is the prison episode which is real famous. Mm. Um Lupin's caught in a prison for a hot minute. And by hot minute I mean over a year. Oh wow. And he has the world's longest con because he wants to not just escape because he could have escaped at any second. He wants to humiliate Zenigata. Oh ho, ho. for catching him. And he does this with the world's longest con. But Such during this, con. Fujiko's trying to save him uh save him herself and keeps mm. getting stopped by uh Jigen. <laughs> As A, Jigen says, fuck anything Fujiko tries to do. Two. <laughs> Two, he, he believes that Lupin will do it himself. Okay. He He's yeah. like, Lupin will get out when he wants to get out. Mm. Fujiko, yeah. though, we only see at the end of the episode, after Lupin's already out, where she's genuinely mourning him. She's just like, genuinely, like... She's like, I guess I really did love it. She doesn't finish the sentence that even in her own head, she did, never does, will not admit it to herself. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I guess I really did. And then there's this long shot of her at like the coastline, looking out at the sunset, being mournful. 
and then everything's back to normal in the next episode. But it's one of those times where we can see behind her mask a little bit that she does have feelings for him, despite their world's most toxic relationship. <laughs> it's just that Fujiko is... The more you learn about Fujiko, the more you're like, oh, Fujiko is the type of person that's afraid of any genuine connection or commitment with people because she's because she thinks that it's like what's the word she weakness she always thinks yeah, she thinks it's a weakness yeah and because she, she's the master of double crosses mm. you know? she's survived for as long as she has in her line of work by not by making people think they're close to her but keeping them at a distance and unfortunately that's infected her actual relationships Mm. Exactly. She think makes people think they're close to her, but she keeps them at a distance. And okay. they 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 explore some of this in Blue Jacket, which is very good. Yes, <laughs> especially anyway. in Part Five. Part Five is yeah. all about their relationship. Yeah. Oh, I like Part Five. Anyway, but back to Lupin the Third, the first. We mentioned uh, earlier that this is just an Indiana Jones. This is just Nazis an Indiana Jones movie. Are the bad guys? This, this is they're Nazis. It, they're Nazis. It's 1960. It's about an ancient arch. Literally, archaeologists keep getting name dropped. It's about um, an ancient uh, civilization and their weird doomsday weapon. Nope. It's an Indiana Jones movie. It's the Indiana Jones movie. Or. And, uh, it, it makes use of the one of my dad really liked this um, conspiracy theory, uh, just because he liked the idea of going down and ending him himself, uh, oh. of, of Hitler escaping to South America. Yeah, uh, I have to admit I share my dad's enjoyment of that conspiracy theory because I also enjoyed that. The thought of going down thought, and ending him yourself. Yeah, yeah. Getting to getting to getting to end him yourself. Yeah. Having my own uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, this is just it, it down. It, like we have the Nazis, the archaeology stuff. It's and even the pacing, the setup feels very Indiana Jones. You have the like early adventure fisticuff thing in like society. You have the bit where you get exposition at you. Uh, where you're hiding and viewing the Nazis like from under like bunkers and like in the room with them. Then yeah, you get the yeah. like uh, trying to find the thing before they do. You're in the temple. They followed you as you've solved the puzzles in the temple. They stole the thing and you have to dash to stop them from using the thing. It's a Indiana Jones movie. It's an Indiana Jones movie. Now, I feel that this is how I put this. This is better than most of the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> and I'll give I you fifty percent. I'll give you fifty yeah. percent. No, no, yeah. you, no. That's what I mean. Fifty percent. Okay. It's better Indiana than Jones movies two of them. Yeah. Are, two of them specifically are debatably bad or yeah. not. One not of them is great. just bad. The other one's debatably one of them, bad. The one of yeah, I. Uh, hot take i genuinely think crystal skull is not that bad same I it, it it's not didn't great like it at the time and i don't think it's a, as good as um the other two good ones i've only watched it once um it and i specifically thing, sought it out because i was like it can't be that bad and this was like five years after it came out mm -hmm. um and i was like i mean it's not great but it's still better than temple of dome yeah. Temple of Doom is the worst. I watched Temple of Doom it when is just an objectively in, bad movie. 
I watched it when it came out in theaters with my family. Yeah. Uh, the fourth movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember not liking it, and specifically the thing that pissed me off that still pisses me off to this day was the weird twist of, oh, it was aliens. Which yeah. Indiana Jones tried very specifically every movie. It's all... Even, even though it's wild mystic stuff, or specifically for two of them, part of Abrahamic culture. Yeah. Um, we're ignoring Temple of Doom for reasons. Yeah. Um, this movie decided instead of keeping it on Earth, keeping it grounded to that, to go, oh, it was aliens. And that felt very disingenuous to the point of its archaeology. Archaeology yeah. is not conspiracy theories about aliens. It's just now, not. Yeah. Unlike Indiana Jones, this works for Lupin. Oh, that yeah. works for Lupin, except that's not even what this is. This was legitimately just ancient civilization created a black hole generator. This is Final Fantasy. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, that's the I wild will thing. Is say, though, this, it, this felt more aliens than uh, Crystal Skull did, and yet wasn't. All right. Yeah. Play laser speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say, uh, just to go back to Indiana Jones for a second. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I will say Aliens actually feels more grounded to me than because uh, it's at least like our realm, our reality, the material plane, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gods is like a whole other dimension almost, I, you know what it's I mean? More, I'm thinking of it more as like a genre thing. There's yeah. something about no, no, no. I... humans connecting to the divine that fits very squarely in the box of what archaeology deals with, which is the past and people. And people's interactions with religion and with gods are very rooted in how humanity works, how we function. I, I agree with you there. Because religion, even though like that still gets into mystic stuff, at least humans' connections to religion, even if you don't like religion in general or certain religions you can admit humans have had religions as long as they've been humans it, it's these are our religions this is human religion this mm-hmm. is something we're all to varying degrees familiar with aliens Whereas, is its own thing like, it's its I'm, own I'm not thing disagreeing with like you there i just and it feels like, to me, it, the thing that really pissed me off was it draws into a sort of thing about uh, archaeology uh, that conspiracy theorists like to use to to disenfranchise the achievements of brown people. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, say it was done by aliens. The pyramids yeah. must have been aliens. They didn't have the math to do that because they the weren't Moai, white. Yeah, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They weren't white. And yeah. even sometimes white stuff, because Stonehenge gets that sometimes, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, but uh, that one at least I can say is mostly because we just don't know what the fuck it was, what it was meant to do. The other is like we know what a pyramid was meant to do and why it looks like that. Yeah. Go on, Leather. What were you going to say? I don't think I was going to say something. Oh, it sounded like you were going to say something. I'm sorry. But yeah, that's that's part, the other reason why it pissed me off is just like we're supposed to be doing archaeology here, not. Aliens. Aliens. These are two yeah. different realms. And that's why I don't like... That's one of the reasons why Crystal... I can't reconcile Crystal Skull as being good. Because Indiana Jones is supposed to be about archaeology. The second you get into real-world conspiracy theories that disenfranchise the achievements of ethnic 
minorities or other cultures, we veer that into something else. Which is also why uh, one of the re- things about Temple of Doom is how racist it is. Yeah, that that yeah. So like those... on top of being just shitty, it's racist. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, like doing that again felt like a weird choice. It, I think it was just like. And here's the thing, I would have, the, the thing that would have, the one thing they could have done to actually make that make sense to me is if they admitted, yeah, the Crystal Skulls were never an archaeology thing, they were a hoax. And then being like, this hoax was planted by aliens recently. Not ancient, just recently. That I could get along. That, 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 that I would have been fine more with. Interesting. That would have been, I would have vibed with that, because that at least, like, cuts out the part of aliens being involved that makes it problematic. Yeah. It still brings in why the Nazis won it, why um, Indy has been involved. Is it was, a, it was an archaeological hoax? He solved the hoax, but he needs to stop them from getting the thing. And OKP, For... mm-hmm. it wasn't the it wasn't the Nazis. It was the Ruskies. It was the Russians. You're right. The Soviets wanted it. The damn Reds. Because we're out of World War II at this point. Right. And we're into the Cold War. The red right. scare. Full, full rig, Weird red scare, choice. Yeah. Really? Not really, because it, a it's, lot of Bond, a lot of Bond movies from that time, Russians were the bad guys. Fair. Yeah. It. It's also not weird because in this was sixties, right? Yeah. No, no. I meant Christmas more weird yeah. from a when the movie came out perspective, not from a in story perspective. Even then, no, uh, because. Mm. They had to explain why Harrison Ford was twenty years older, and no, you're right. Uh, it would have been World War Two didn't go on that long. It, it sure as hell that... felt that no, long for the people right. involved, but yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, unless no. they got someone else to play Indy, then they could have done Nazis. It again, wouldn't have been the but... first time they did a different act for Indy. See the Young Indiana Jones series. Pa- so yeah, back to back to Lupin. Lupin. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I like Indiana Jones a lot. <laughs> Uh, no, really. Super yeah. looking forward to that video game <laughs> that just got announced. Um, that reminds me, uh, we did play. I won't take up any more time. Joey and I did play the um, Lu- Lucas Arts uh, Indiana Jones game together. This Which has one? the same energy. The Atlantis, the Atlantis. one. Atlantis. The Atlantis one. Okay, th- there's been a couple. There- there's a um, Tomb of the Pharaoh, I think, or something like that. Uh, that was this on the PS2. This, this has the same energy. Yeah. Okay. Um, the 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 technology of I don't know if anyone else felt this way, but um, y'all y'all remember the first Pokemon movie, right? It yeah, it does have yeah. that feeling. Yeah, the tech in the first Pokemon movie. Yeah. Just yeah. that weird alien shit. The, the the entirety of the temple inside this movie, I kept comparing to the work of, like, um, Geiger? Yeah, it's Geiger. H.R. Geiger? Yeah. It's it, not it organic enough to... Tr- it's not organic enough to truly be Geiger, but it's got, like, the vibe. For sure. Yeah. Like, it's all just overly detailed enough to be unsettling, and it's just... Just organic looking enough to be familiar but it de- deliberately in the uncanny valley about it with a whiff of geiger yeah yeah um but yeah the other thing about this movie that i 
enjoyed. I actually... This is a good showing for Lupin and who he is. Because, again, we talked about how mm -hmm. Cagliostro is very soft Lupin. This is more in line with what I think of when I think of Lupin as a character. He's a bastard, but he's a bastard that wants to s kill Nazis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he wants and to he, he wants to be the best. And he has a lot of stock in his pride as a thief and in his family name. Yeah. Nothing was more satisfying than him being like, yeah, Hitler was dead, bitch. Just ripped <laughs> off the mask, rubbed it right in his face. I do and love you know, I gotta say. Yes. Sorry, go on. Oh, I was no, just no. going to say on the the line of the Nazi thing was the start of this movie was real strong with that dude going, never going to give anything to the likes of you Nazi filth. Yeah. Boom. Just the Go coldest on. open. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, uh, they sort they, there was a point in the movie where, where I was like, oh, it's Lupin in that picture. <laughs> he set this all up way back before any of this even started. Lupin's in the disguise in that photograph. That that That's going to be like the end of the movie reveal. You were close. And I was close. I was close. <laughs> you, you, were, you were close. Lupin's yeah. plans are never that far back, but you were so close. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That that That's all I wanted to say. Uh, yeah, you were real close, and I remember the thing that confused um, the very first time I watched this movie... Uh, Blake and I were very confused about the timeline of the movie because they never tell you anywhere when this movie takes place. You can infer from the fact that it's actual Nazis and whatever that's the 60s yeah. and that the war's over, but they never tell you. And like the beginning of the movie is implied to be during the Second World War, but they never tell you that either. So, like, yeah. when my friend Blake and I watched the movie, we thought it was modern day, and they were trying to stop neo-Nazis rather than Nazi-Nazis. And so we were very confused when the Hitler thing came up, and we're like, wouldn't he have died by now? <laughs> From I, old age? Yeah, I thought it was 70s, honestly, when I was watching I it. it was I thought, six. like, yeah, it, it's, it's nebulous. It, it's definitely Nazi remnant faction. According um, to the yeah. Wikipedia, it is, in fact, the 60s. Okay, makes that sense. makes sense. Yeah, because the very beginning of the movie was during Nazi was in Nazi occupied France. Mm. Yeah, no, because okay. that's where Brisson would have been. And then like yeah. twenty, I think they say exactly how many years pass at one point because of how old Leti Letitia is. Mm. But like nearly twenty years later, later Letitia's from a baby to a grown adult, and the war's over. Yeah, yeah, nineteen sixties tracks. Yeah. I, I was looking up uh when we got into talking about like the, the, the art direction of uh like the how it mm -hmm. kinda had that like Pokemon movie mm -hmm. feel. Yeah. Uh so I was looking at the IMDB for the art director for this film. Uh mm -hmm. Toshia Umeda. Mm -hmm. Uh he doesn't have a lot of credits. He's got like nine credits. Um mm -hmm. but that's just as like being high up on the list, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in as in the art department, uh, he did concept art for the, I think live action Captain Harlock film. Ooh. Hmm. Uh, he did character modeling for Residents of Fate, the uh, the video game. Yeah, the video game, the like weird RPG 
third-person shooter. Yeah. Active battle, time battle. Uh, Mario Sonic at the Olympic Winter Games. Concept huh. artist. Uh, CG production concept artist. And then as art director, it's uh, Lupin the Third, the first uh, Mario and Sonic at the London 2012 Olympic Games, and then something called Moom, a short from 2016. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but <laughs> he's also the art director on uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie from 2020. God. Now here's the fun thing. The rest of the art department, uh, Toru Awa, Toru Patrick Awa, also did the Sonic movie as part of the art department. Concept Wild. art, specifically. Um, he, uh, Toru Awa was the character designer. But he was also uh. the main character designer for Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back. <gasps> there it is! Yep. <laughs> uh, there it is! Also character designer for the Lego movie 2. Um, next Gen, Peter Rabbit, The Polar Bears, The Amazing Spider-Man, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul, Nine, Monster Samurai, and uh, the 2002 Scooby-Doo movie. That, yes, that's right, the live-action one. Okay. I, I I now looked up uh, Hiroki Kubota, or Kubo, yeah, Kubota, uh, who mm. is... Ca- uh, Credited as the concept artist uh, mm-hmm. for this film, and uh, Knights of the Zodiac, Saint Seiya, uh, the twenty nineteen ones so of the CG one, yeah, that uh, Fist of the North Star, Lost Paradise, the video game, yeah, the one that's yeah, just Yakuza, <laughs> yeah, the Yakuza one, yeah, uh, pretty fun but okay game, um, Monster Hunter World. Uh, as, as an environmental, environmental artist. artist. Ooh. Uh, Resident Evil Vendetta? That's probably one of the CG films. Probably, yeah. And mm-hmm. then the only other thing credited is um, Harlock Space Pirate, which is, I think is that live-action Harlock yep. thing. Yeah, which they probably worked on. Together. So these people all seem to yeah. have worked on together and did other CG projects, which seems to track with how well this movie worked. Yeah, th- these are definitely dedicated CG artists that mm-hmm. kind of go back and forth between film live action and video with games. CG and then CG video and video games. games. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's all I wanted to say. I I do want to say for any listeners that are like trying to figure out what Lupins to start with. As much as I would like to recommend these, I still think the best way to start with Lupin is literally to start with Green Jacket. Or Red Jacket. I'd still say Green Jacket, purely because, like, if you're getting it... On the one hand, it's like with um, Scooby-Doo, you can start anywhere, but the first five episodes of the original run of Scooby-Doo are referenced every other time. They get referenced by everything else constantly. So, like... The same thing here. The first five episodes of Lupin are where we get establishing shots for everyone. Uh, you meet Goemon and his whole deal. You meet Fujiko. And then there are sequences in that that get referenced in both of these movies. Because uh, there's a, uh, the third episode of the original run is the episode where uh, Lupin scuba dives onto uh, 
an island covered in criminals to steal their treasure. Hmm. And that's where the sequence of him getting lit up by the spotlight and running across the wall comes from. And that specific shot of animation of him running at like a Dutch angle and you can only see like his uh, chest upwards and he's got doing the full run with his arms and like uh, L shapes. That specific Mm -hmm. shot, which is referenced in both of these movies is from that episode. Hmm. Huh. And it got used in the opening sequence every, every, for every episode of Green Jacket because, again, it was an iconic shot for who Lupin is as a person. There is one, one more thing I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. I talked about how bullshit that thing Jigen did with the, the bolts was. Mm-hmm. Not as bullshit as the laser hallway with Lupin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love the that implication was... that his grandfather also did it without the the grappling hook. Oh yeah, he just No, did that's it. not what the that's not what the connotation was. No, it, the 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 cane was stuck in there, but his hat did make it the other way and there was no body there. Because True. he his grandfather did the same thing Lupin did with Jigen's hat. Yeah, with his own hat, yeah. I thought it was like he didn't make it. He got stuck there. Like the cane that's is what I the thought point the f- he got to. That's what the what I thought the first time around. But his body's not his there. body's not there. If we don't see any of his clothes, even though his hat survived this whole time, if his hat survived this whole time, the rest of his clothes would have. It's true. Yeah, he made well, it to I the end. I did. Okay, okay. I didn't think he died there. I think he made it to that point, and then it was like, no, and like. Managed to scramble back. Like that that's what I took it as. Oh yeah. I mean, here's the thing. The Brisson Dyer remember he works with Brisson? Yeah. And Brisson knew how to get past Brisson that point. Got, yeah, okay. You're right. And and had right. to have gotten past that point to have figured out how to work the thing. His grandfather had to have gotten through that thing. Specifically right. so yeah. Brisson could have. Yeah, so Loop so Lupin the second Lupin the did first all these Lupin the wait really yes but didn't the cane didn't the the cane have the number two on it no it no, was it just the fancy L. L oh okay. it was a fancy was, L was, it looked kind of was... like a two because it was in a fancy script but it was an L oh, and it was yeah, the cane of the original said, uh, Lupin grandfather yeah mm-hmm. that's um, why the top hat was there because that was Lupin's top hat yeah so what happened probably is that the two of them. Basically, Lupin was like, "All right, I'll get us through this. You just take notes." Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. The Sorry. real wild thing right. is the original Arsène Lupin didn't take credit for any of it. That's the only out of character thing going on here. Yeah. In fact, he didn't take credit for it beyond, "Oh yeah, the tire is the one thing he couldn't steal." I I think. He didn't want it. Yeah, I I think I think you could argue that it's still in character because it's like no, he realized how big this is. Yeah, and that this is more than my pride as a thief. Yeah, the the like this is. I mean, that's also fair. It's like his name attached to it would make it even bigger, which is a problem. Yeah, yeah he didn't want his name attached to it any more than it already was. Yeah. All right, that was the that was the only other thing I wanted to say. Yeah. Okay, this was very fun. 
it's always yeah. nice seeing Nazis get killed. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, There's actually a shocking dearth of Nazi killing in this movie for how much everyone wants them dead in this movie. Except yeah. for we do see Jigen straight up shoot like five of them in a row. It's, good. it's real satisfying. Uh, all right, we're going to take one more short break. And when we get back, we're going to close this bitch out. We will see you. Now back to the show. Do you see how your patience paid off? And welcome back for the last time this episode to Acme Podcast Incorporated. We are going to get down to the closeout. Um, so that's Lupin. The third, well, that's not Lupin, but that's these two Lupin movies. <laughs> well, Definitely bring KP back for more Lupin. Because the they are now contractually obligated under the cult of Lupin the Third. Oh I yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I, I am primed to I... watch more Lupin. Honestly, <laughs> I I, I want to see more. Um, I, I, but closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about. Uh, how these are not good starting points and these are not even the best versions mm-hmm. or the best take on uh, Lupin movies. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the best Lupin movie? Okay, the best, in my opinion, I, uh, there are many, uh, many differ- differing opinions. The movie I yeah. think is maybe the most the most both accessible to an american audience but also shows off all the characters the best and it's just a good loop in movie is farewell to nostradamus it was from 1995 the art style looks a lot like an like an american cartoon that want to come out at the time like it, it has a lot of similarities to like character designs from like um the alvin and the chipmunks no that's not the movie i want like if you see this little girl uh here the the like main girl new girl oh yeah it's like yeah, very american americanized this look, it looks like inspector gadget yes yes that's what i wanted which is um, actually french <laughs> yeah so western western cartoons the better word for yeah. it it's and it's got like a story that's pretty accessible but very specifically lupin it's very specifically a heist story in a way neither of these movies really were hmm. um it's it has a great opening sequence for lupin because they're literally stealing a giant diamond in the middle of carnival and and hmm. rio um yeah there's a there's a plane hijacking there's like treasure it's the building gets blown up there's a bit where they have to infiltrate a uh, prison. A lot goes on in this movie, but it's all to, in service to I, to show off the the main characters. It's hmm. probably a weak a weaker movie for Jigen and Goemon than for Fujiko and Lupin. But it's a it's a movie that does Lupin well and um, genuinely has high stakes and even does a good job showing off Fujiko. Okay. Yeah. 
Also, for for me personally, after you've watched Nostradamus and some of, like, the, the series itself, if you want um, a good showing of uh, any character specifically, um, for Goemon, you gotta watch The Blood Spray of Goemon Ishikawa. I've heard that nothing... Movie... There you go. Mm-hmm. That movie rules. I've heard nothing but good things about both uh, Blood Spray and Graves... uh, Jigen's Gravestone. Basically, the movies good. attached to um, the woman named Fujiko Mine, I've heard nothing but good things about, and they seem to, and they don't have Oscar in them, so they have by default avoid the pitfalls he specifically fell into. Mm. Yeah. I had a follow-up anyway. question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that sprung to my mind as you were talking about uh, Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. Um. Is it fairly common that uh, Lupin and Fujiko get more time to shine than Jigen and Goemon? Like, yeah, it depends oh, yeah. on it Particularly depends in on movies. the in the movies. Yes, because the movie because okay. Fujiko's at her best in any movie when she starts as a villain or rival to Lupin and comes mm. to his side because of the villains. Got and it. for an episode of the TV show, that usually means she's an antagonist the whole time because there's not enough time to spin her out, yeah. or we only see her halfway through the episode. Um, whereas the TV show gets a better chance to show off action sequences with Jigen and Goemon because they, they're around for more of it than Fujiko would be and thus can solve more problems without needing Lupin or her to solve the problem. Hmm. Um. Okay. Yeah. All right. I know that there are a lot of movies that are considered a little whack or weaker, like um, Dead or Alive is good, but weird. Mm. From what I remember. But I'd still say that's the movie I'd pick. If you want a series, uh, part four, excellent for all the characters involved. You get uh, treats its female character, female secondary characters a lot better than most seasons. Okay. And part five does. Yeah. And I just like part five a lot. Part five is great. Uh, the the references to previous seasons might alienate it's some true. viewers, but it's like true, none of true. them are so integral to the plot, you won't still enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Uh, thank you for those final thoughts on Lupin for now. For now. <laughs> for this episode. Um. Okay. All right. So, if you want to get in contact with the show. You can do that by uh, emailing us at uh, acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Hey, Kai, let me get that email back at me. acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. KP, one more time. acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Hell yeah. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, you can do that via at inkpodcasts because I've been saying the goddamn twitter wrong since we started this damn show because i'm a goddamn yep. idiot uh i've been i've been implicit in this it's fine it is that's uh, it is at inc podcasts ink podcasts uh, ink podcast i'm real tempted to try to change that uh, uh just real real strongly tempted to try to change that um find something that works better um 
because that's that's stupid. Um, yeah, it it's a bad Twitter handle. Uh, but mm, that that's my fault. Uh, oh well. Uh, this is the point where if this was a gag anime, I do the thing where I'd like knock my head and make like the weird like comma eyes with the tongue sticking you know the face i'm thinking of yes oh yeah we know yeah yeah we're weebs we know yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> uh whew. um kai where can they find us on tumblr uh you can find us on at on tumblr at acmepodcast.tumblr.com that's acmepodcasts.tumblr.com that's right uh, I've already checked the email. There's a whole lot of nothing in there. Uh, we got anything in the ask box? Let me look. Nope, not this week. Whole lot of nothing, huh? Alrighty. Oh. Well, that's how you can get in contact with the show. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us specifically, I'm back on Twitter now. You can find me at R A D. At R-A-D-I-C-A-L-H-O-N-C-H-O. That's at Radical Honcho. Uh, the the like display name is Laser J. Uh, Kai, where can they find you? Now, Laser, would you like to promo something else about yourself? That you wanted to do? Hmm? Oh, no, I was going to make, like, an actual commercial to put in the breaks. Oh, okay, for your thing? Okay. Just yeah, uh, well, I'll, I might as well just do that now. Um, It's not as pressing now that that stimulus check came, uh, <laughs> oh, but... Uh, but still. Yeah, uh, it, it's... Uh, and we got another one coming, um, but it, it is something that we need to future-proof for. Uh, the hosting fees for our RSS feed is 10 bucks a month. And as I lost my job in March of 2020, uh, you know, I was getting by on unemployment for a while, but I ended up going back to school, um, studying to become a computer programmer at the moment, um, uh, with an ultimate goal of ending up in game design. Uh, but that that's like far off. I, I just need to learn to program uh, that that's my main priority right now. Um, but. Uh, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be, a, it's, it's not going to be that that's, I'm not going to finish that anytime soon. And I've never been good at balancing both school and job. So I'm going to be unemployed for the foreseeable future. Um, but if I could just make enough to cover the hosting fees every month, uh, that would be phenomenal. Uh, so if you have a podcast project or just any sort of audio project uh, that you need help with, I, I think I do a pretty good job editing this podcast every two weeks. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have your soundboard and all your, like, uh, just, you're an audio wizard. Relatively. Among, of the three of us, yes. <laughs> um, yes. There, there are... KPN. KP and I have different talents. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, of the three of, yeah, of the three of us, I am the audio wizard and you are our 
lore keeper and and KP is DPS? You want to be DPS? Sure. I can hit <laughs> things. Uh I I'm sorry. I I'm not good at MMO humor. Um <laughs> Some could argue I'm not good at humor at all. <laughs> um but the point is I do a pretty good job here, I think. Um if you need if you, if you're, you know, got a project and you're you can you know, I'm not asking for a lot of money cuz I unless you need the amount of money is proportional to the level of the job. That that's what I'm saying here. Um if you want a highly edited super like fancy thing that that's going to be more uh but I'm willing to just like do a slapdash like not slapdash i i have a mentality of if you're gonna do a job you do it goddamn right uh the reward of a job well done is reward enough uh but financial compensation is necessary as well (laughs) (laughs) we we live in a society yeah um and considering i'm only looking to do this job because i need to cover our hosting fees uh i i i need at least 10 bucks for an editing job um but also like price is negotiable is what i'm trying to say uh i i'm not a professional i'm not fancy uh if you if you've listened this far in our episode you know what i do you know what i'm capable of um if that's if my energy is something you'd like behind the editing scenes of your podcast, please uh, contact us through the show's email. And uh, actually, uh, no, you can email me at uh, l a. No, I don't want to give my personal give, email. Ask them to DM you on Twitter. I don't know if I have. My DMs open. Um, well, then open your DM. at me on Twitter. At me on Twitter. That's uh, at r a d i c a l h o n c h o at radical honcho. Just at me. What you might want to do is what? make a G- just a Gmail account specifically for that the editing. For for yeah, that stuff. that is something I will probably cut this do. part out and just like insert yourself saying that email. I might do that. For the next episode. Okay. Um, yeah. By the next episode, I'll have that set up. I, I probably won't want to do that now. Okay. Because um, it... Honestly, the way I've done this the last few weeks, it's 4 o'clock on a Sunday. I'm like, I should start working on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fair. Uh, <laughs> valid. Uh, and then it's only like two hours it. later. It, 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 well, okay. Let me be fair. The four to five o'clock hour is me getting the necessary audio for like you know songs, bumpers, mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that, uh, and then Ma's like, "Hey, I'm ready to eat dinner," and I go in and I eat dinner with my mom, and then I finish up around what like say usually like eight nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Editing this podcast, even if I put in a lot of work, doesn't really take a lot of time anymore. Um, mm. I sort of got the formula. Yep. Uh, 
but yeah, I, 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 I could we we here at the show could use the cash for the show. I'm not looking to profit. I just need to cover our hosting fees without bankrupting myself. Um, so that's my plugs. Cape. Which yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Use your words. I mean, no word's so good. Um, Kai, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at kaiju underscore emperor. That's K-A-I-J-U underscore E-M-P-E-O-R. Kaiju underscore emperor. My current Twitter handle is kawaii elder god. Um, and you can also find me on Tumblr at kaiju dash emperor. It's about the same way. Uh, mostly that's retweets, reblogs, uh, of things I like, animation, anime I'm watching, cartoons I'm watching, stupid memes, art, whatever. But if you want anything original from me, you can check out, uh, my side blog called Kai's Tome, K-A-I-S-T-O-M-E, where I make my, uh, 5th fifth edition D&D stuff, usually subclasses and magic items, um, if you like fan fiction, I guess you could go check me out on FF. But I haven't wrote anything in a while. I the only thing that's finished on there is my Digimon fan fiction, which I'm not gonna get into that. That's that took me like two and a half years to write. It's like several novels long. That's <laughs> a commitment that I don't want to ask that of anybody. <laughs> it's, you can it's King. I go by King Kaiju on FF. Oh, so you've and, upgraded yourself since then. <laughs> yeah, and then I I have my Sonic fan fiction that I wrote, uh, which was a Blaze Amy fic on AO3. You can find me there on Kaiju, at Kaiju Emperor on AO3. Uh, I've posted parts of my other stuff from FF onto AO3, but like it, I was tired of tr- just transferring over the old shit and editing it to the format of AO3. But, oh fuck! Hmm? Y- you wanna, <sighs> you wanna unlock a piece of laser lore real quick? We uh, laser. We've what? Been going on for over three hours. Yeah, it's fine. It's gonna be like ten seconds. Okay. Okay. I literally ran into the person who wrote my favorite fan fiction. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> and. Yeah. That's good. I need yeah. more details, but I will wait till we're done recording. <laughs> we'll oh god, I don't even remember it, it 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 it's so long ago at this point. I don't remember what the fan fiction was. I I just remember being oh yeah, I uh, I write fan fiction. Uh I mostly write this. I did this. I was like I just remember in my head being like, "Holy fuck, I I know that fanfic. I love that fanfic." I read your fanfics. No, I did not tell them. I was like, ah, oh, cool. I oh, like fan fiction. I coward. was just like, no, I don't want... I, uh, no. <laughs> I'm not ashamed that I read fan fiction, but I refuse to gush at this guy. person that I don't particularly like. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. That's, that's me. And there's possibly another project that may be coming in the future. When that's coming out, don't know. 
the one a one piece thing me and KP are kind of working on, but Ooh, it's yep. it's it's a non priority. There's there's no promises here about when it's coming out, or when or if, <laughs> when or if or how often it'll be updated. That's all we're gonna say. Ooh. Anyway, but if if it's KP. closer, we will talk about it. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr and Twitter, though I am active on neither at uh, Kuiper Nebula. That is K U I P E R N E B U L A. Kuiper Nebula as my URL on Tumblr and my at on Twitter. Um, there you can find uh, me reblogging things I think are pretty or related to fan uh, things I am fans of, or you can find me um, just shooting the shit, my various shit posts. Um, occasionally I will write very long analyses of things I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I will promo other people's things. Uh, this podcast, things uh, Kai, uh, Kai has posted on um, Kai's Tome, uh, our friend Zach's stream. So, like, if you want to keep abreast of all of our friends' comings and goings, I'm usually on top of promoing everyone. Um, the few times I do post art or fanfic, usually I will post through Twitter or Tumblr. So, like, if you want to keep abreast of my creative undertakings, that's how you do that. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, until then, uh, we'll see you in February. Uh, don't be a jackass. There's more to that line, Laser. It's don't be a jackass, and then you say something else, right? No, you say bye. I, I missed my cue. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> I missed my cue. No, I, no, I'm feeling it. Bye, everyone. Oh, that's it. Nope. Nope. I got both the lines. Over there? I guess. B-b-barbarian.